diarrhea. And fifteen, we're here. We're queer, and we're ready to rock it for another motherfucking year. It's the Socks Cast, episode ten, all up in your grill and up in your butt. I am your awesome, as always, host Polly, and to my immediate virtual right is a man that I am no longer going to the trouble of creating Toho-related introductions for. It's Rhett. Aw, hey Rhett. That's that's not a new year thing i should be excited about my new year's resolution is to not do that anymore because i was tired of looking them up <laughs> i'll write them for you if you want <laughs> i'll consider it so hey Rhett. hi happy new year happy new year how's the new year treating you so far very sleepy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that kind of sucks um how was the holidays there's it was fine. Yeah, all right. Good, good. Nothing remarkable. And to my immediate virtual left, he's got acid, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. 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 Is somebody going to stop me? <laughs> Hi. He also has a cough. I'm just, basically, I'm just trying to set a record here for the Sox cast, as, you know, we, we've got to go into this new year with some lofty goals, and I want to break a record for the number of times we've said diarrhea on the podcast. But hey, it's John Thayer! Hi! How you doing, John? I'm doing really well, thanks. Happy New Year! It is, isn't it? it Aside is. from the being sick thing, but otherwise, really great. How'd the holidays treat you, John? Wonderfully. Wonderfully. I had a bunch of cool family over, and... Anna was there, and life was great. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm going to ignore you and go back to talking to Rhett. Hi. How you doing, Rhett? <laughs> doing good. Um, so before we get started uh, digging deep into what the hell we've been up to these last couple of weeks in this episode, um, something you want to plug on the site? Oh, why don't you do it? I think you'd be a better host. <laughs> Okay. Well, um, we've been doing these lists for a number of years on the site. Uh, Rhett usually does all the hard lifting for them. Yeah. He edits the list, puts them together. But basically, um, on our forum, under the SocksMakePeopleSexy.net discussion, uh, you will find a, a topic that's labeled SNS on Generation 5, the top PS1 Saturn N64 games, according to SNS. And... Uh, all you've got to do is go in there, list you some top games. How many is it, Rhett, per person? It can be up to 50 this time, because... Jesus oh, damn. Christ! It's oh, a lot wow. of fucking systems. Okay, you can list up to 50 of your favorite games for those consoles, and write a little bit about each one, and leave a reply in that thread, and Rhett will do his best to, like, typey-typey it all up and make it look real pretty for the site and run it for a whole week, uh, like we've done the other lists, and those things have always turned out really fun and informative, and a lot of surprises that pop up and you never really expected, like the NES list to me was super surprising uh, when you got to near the top of that. Oh, man, yeah. I think Punch-Out was number two. Yeah, yeah, that's just like, what? How the hell did that happen? That one surprised me the most. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's, but it's also, a good game. really fun. Oh, it's a fantastic yeah. game. Um, so, yeah, we want you to go and uh, contribute to that if you can. Um, just read the topic and throw your games in there. Um, Rhett is also doing something else. What are you doing, Rhett? We are hosting another Let's Play Olympics competition. Oh, snap. What's this one? Th- uh, what's the theme around this one? Uh, this is the Let's Play Summer School 2. It's a sequel to the one I did, I guess, two years ago now, or about a year and a half ago. Uh, it's just every week there'll be a random theme, and you get to choose your own games, because people seem to really prefer those style events more. And you just record an LP based on the theme, like, whatever. Uh, like, like, thinking, let's like, say the theme is play as a little girl. You would play a yeah. game where you're a little girl, and then yeah. and then people would judge your video based on that. You know, and how well you did, and uh, it's generally, I think that uh, of all of the, like, Let's Play Olympics-style events that we've done, I think that the Let's Play Summer School is my favorite, just because it allows so much more versatility, and it's not so stat-focused. Yeah, I think um, so, too. I had a ton of fun with that one. Definitely tried to make it more laid-back compared to, like, the competition ones. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's, it's a lot more fun to watch those videos, because there's such a variety. Not everybody's playing the same thing, um... And and I, that, I think not... I did my videos that I was, like, most proud of, like, ever for the first time on the Summer School 2013 and, one. And not that there's a problem with, you know, the more structured events that um, happen. I just kind of think, like, I really like the creative the, the creativity that you're allowed to have for the Summer School. Uh, but, Rhett, it's not summer. We got to go with the naming conventions anyways. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. It, it, it's um, the sequel, so it's the Summer School, too. All right. So um, we have a Let's Play forum at, at at the SNS forum. So just go to the Let Us Watch You Play Video Games forum and uh, the uh, LPSS2 um, enrollment thread is at the top of that forum. So just go there, sign up, uh, and enjoy yourself if you're looking to get in. I know a lot of people have actually gotten into Let's Playing from uh, participating in these styles of events. Yeah, definitely. And they always give me kind of a nice excuse. And lately I've been doing really, really weird games, which makes me happy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, um, go do that. Um, go fill out a list. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun this year on the site. And if you want to be a judge, you can sign up there, too. Or just send me a PM, actually. Yeah. Um, so, with all of that out of the way, Rhett, I understand you've been up to quite a lot since we were last together and talked uh-huh. into microphones, why don't you go ahead and get us started in this new year with what the hell you've been doing, bro? Uh, well, before I get to video games, I watched a little cartoon called The Legend of Korra. Oh, that's anime, right? Ooh. Oh, yeah, totally anime. It's anime. Wow, cool. I hate that show. Korra no Densetsu or something? Is that what yeah. it's called? Yeah, I think that's the Japanese title. So, uh... I won't get into spoilers here, but the show ended very recently, and uh, people were very happy with the ending. Now, I planned on watching the show when it ended eventually, but there was so much negativity about it for years. Yeah, that's like... like, I've heard, like, mostly negative about Korra. It's just like, if you liked Airbender, just don't bother with this. (laughs) It's just bad in every conceivable way. Yeah, You could say it's sort of like the Star Wars prequels of Avatar you want to be accurate if you want to be weird and referential (laughs) sure so yeah it was weird seeing just the show get kind of picked on and shit on by the internet for years and then it ends and everyone's like oh my god that was such a good ending because of what happens 
Is it what I'm thinking happened? Is that it's thing? the relationship thing oh, people okay. were very yeah. happy with. I'm really happy yeah. with that, and I've never seen the show. So Yeah, it's yeah. really nice. So I asked on Twitter, like, is this show any good? And I got three replies, people saying they dropped it after the end of season two. <laughs> and, oh and, John being, and John being the one to say, I hated it by the end of season one because I'm a rebel. Mm. Yeah. But no one had watched the last no, two no, seasons. No, season two is much worse. You're right. Oh, certainly. Yeah. So what are your thoughts so far? So I watched season one, and I thought it was fucking great. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, It takes place, like, 70 years after the original show, and, like, they've changed a lot where it's, like, the show originally, the first Avatar was, uh, like, it was rustic, I guess, is how, like, they didn't have technology of any kind, and now all of a sudden they've got cars and cities and, like, it's got a very heavy, like, 1920s vibe to it. So it is kind of jarring in that way. And mm-hmm. the, there's, like, police forces and, like, the whole season is practically about terrorism. Oh. So thematically, it's just very different from the original. So Thematic and relevant. Yeah. Especially right now, very interesting. And then there's even scenes of, like, the cops, the cops overstepping their bounds and stuff. Yeah, I really like the Oof. setting. And then I hit season two and... Uh, what happened? They leave the main city and go to the South Pole. <laughs> okay, but I, how is going to the South Pole, like, what would make this show bad? Well, also all the energy and joy just, that was even there at all got drained out by that point. <laughs> is it sort of like that one arc in Death Note right in the middle with the business dude where it's kind of boring? Yeah. It just, a lot of the show, I think, relied on the energy and the setting, and when they go to the South Pole, it's just like, very cold and damp like you just kind of feel the emotions of the characters as you're there with them but then the it just continues like that for the whole second season it just goes and goes and it never there's two two episodes that are completely standalone i think where it goes back to the first avatar yeah i just finished the second one of those those are fucking great those are the best things of the whole show right well i i don't know they were good in the middle of the kind of dreariness that is season two so I'm a little disappointed it's going to go back to the other oh, stuff Oh, it is. Now. It is going right back to that. And then it has a big old long oh, don't, finale don't. <laughs> and it gets fucking stupid. Let's see. see, okay, my thing, I love stupid. Yeah, stupid oh, it, is well, good. it gets really stupid. The end of season one was really stupid. It was really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> All right, the season one, it's for like first four episodes – because I watched season two a little chunk of that before I watched season one because Anna was wa- keeping uh. up with it. But mm-hmm. I watched like four, five episodes of that and was like, this is dreadful. And then went back to <laughs> season one after watching Avatar with her. And then like for the first like five or six episodes, it's like this has energy and joy and fun. And then they don't pay off any of any of the setup, any of it. Like all they have this awesome um, Steve Blum, Steve Bloom villain. It was fucking cool. It doesn't pay off at all. And yeah. then the ending just farts itself to death. And it gets, then it goes into the pretty, season two. It got pretty stupid at the end where it's like, now we have airplanes now, because why the fuck not? Yeah. And, oh, yeah, and, that it's just like a gradually deflating balloon. And then it's completely deflated I season two and then just farts along. It's a whoopee cu- it's a whoopee cushion that isn't fun anymore. Yeah. Anna watched three and four and she says that they are definitely better 
and then she couldn't really seem to work up much enthusiasm beyond that. <laughs> so I didn't watch them. Yeah. I will. I will keep. I will keep on watching. Probably have a status right. report. Good luck. next week. It gets better after season two, <coughs> apparently. Also, oh, yeah. um, and people love the ending. People, yeah. There's a fun <laughs> relationship payoff, I guess. But relation, yeah. I kind of hate all of the relationship stuff and all of the Avatar universe. And I kind of agree with you. I think that's what's really dragging down the start of season two. Is yeah, oh, Korra there's... gets so wrapped up in it. It killed <laughs> Avatar. It really hurt Avatar by the end of season three. It was barely present for most of the show, and then you know season what? three. You know what show had better. a lot of that same problem where like the relationships kind of just start getting annoying. What lost. Oh yeah, uh, relation like when like the relationships started taking like a centerpiece in like how these characters were interacting, especially anything involving Kate. Yeah, it was, was just like say. it was just like good God, this is the worst episode ever. It's just it just got so bogged down and mired in all of that dr- like just fucking pathetic drama that it, it just wasn't worth it. It it didn't really advance characters. It made me hate them more. Yeah, this is like kind of the exact same thing where there's two girls after the same guy. Uh, yeah, but uh, but then at the end, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I I'm not convinced that they set up that relationship at all. And ugh, I don't know. It just well, we'll have Rhett to keep us. Yeah, we'll have Reed who can tell us. I'm not impressed. I'm sure that 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 individual moment that it exists is cool, but the yeah. whole show just. But those two episodes in the middle of season two are great. It's like it looks like Okami, like the anime or an animated version of Okami where just kind of traditional Japanese artwork style for the backgrounds and stuff. Very cool. I want an Okami anime. Oh, God, that would look so gorgeous. So it's like takes place thousands of years ago and like the spirits are just everywhere, kind of like spirited within that's awesome. Yeah, that, those episodes are very, really creative. Very neat. Mm-hmm. Anna just swatted me because she said that she liked that show more than I was implying. So <laughs> take that how you will. You're, misre- you're misrepresenting. It, it, it's about it's about proper ethics in expressing Anna's oh, opinions. <clears throat> That's true. That's not the first time that I've uh, accidentally um, misconstrued her opinions for people. So That's, good. Yeah. That's, that's one vote for somebody who actually watched the whole show and liked it. Yeah. Uh, wow! So video games? I I heard that you've played quite a few of those. I played a few video games during I, the holidays. I heard, I heard that you played every game in the known universe, and we're gonna um, like, and we're gonna do like a thirty nine hundred hour podcast about them. Yeah, this could last a while. <laughs> all right, um, I've got hot cocoa, so I'm I'm all nice and warm and snuggled up and ready. Let's go. I've got some chai tea. <laughs> I played more Cloud Built. That's the speedrunner action game. I that... installed Cloud Built. Good. That's the first I, step. That is the first step. Like, I, I want to stream my first time with it. <laughs> oh, man. I don't want to watch that because it's a game with a learning curve. No, I want you to be there. And I want you to along with it pretty smoothly for a good long time. I, I wasn't even really – I didn't even really get frustrated with it. I just kind of put it down. I think it teaches you. I think it eases you in pretty well. Okay, never mind. I'm thinking of some of those enemy types in the original version. <laughs> so okay, anyway, ne- never mind. <laughs> so what have you been doing with Cloud Built? Because you've been playing that game for a while. 
So after the DLC, like I had gotten so much better at the game, I just went back and like A ranked all the normal stages. Felt that's really good. that's awesome. Like you just learn things about how the momentum works in that game that it made it much more feasible than I thought it was before. I think that just makes it even more exciting for me to want to play because I love yeah. games that give you that sense of reward where you know it shits tough getting to where you need to be, but like by the time you get to a certain point of the game, you can go back to those earlier stages and be like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that kind of performance, getting better vibe to it that's really satisfying. Mm-hmm. But then I hit some of the later st- stages and almost started to hate it again because some of the enemies just don't work. <laughs> like, there's four main paths in the game. Like, it has branching levels, so you don't get stuck on one level and unable to progress. Oh, that's but, cool. like, the paths are very clearly themed. Like, one of them is kind of a pink pinkish-purple dream-themed levels. So the two of the paths are really fun, and then two of them are more enemy-focused, and they're just not as good. Aww. Aww. So I was able to A-rank every level except for, like, the last in one of the enemy ones, and I, I, I just can't fucking do it. It sounds to me like like the part where you're, like, running and jumping yeah. and, like, bouncing from walls to walls. Like, that sounds, like, way more fun than having to deal with enemies. Yeah. So, like, if you really know the levels, you can kind of bypass a lot of the enemies or just, like, know when to have a charge shot ready to take out a group. And that can feel really cool when you do it right. Mm-hmm. But some of the levels just, like, there'll be a turret waiting for you as you round this corner and there's, like, nothing you can do to get it early. Shit like that. I had a lot of problems with that um, in Lovely Planet where things are just, like, around corners. And yeah. it's just, like, even if you Oof. know the level, there's still, like, a good 50% chance you're going to eat it. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. aren't the cloud, the cloud build levels are longer than Lovely Planet levels? It oh, seems yeah, like... but Lovely Planet, they're just bite-sized levels meant to yeah. be finished yeah. in about 30, 45 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Meat Boy style. I mean, getting through the levels in cloud build isn't that hard now, but when you're doing a speed run and, like every death counts you can't lose at all like getting hit with like a stray bullet that you kind of probably should have dodged and having that take away a ton of your momentum and then you miss a jump because of that it's like uh just instant restart (laughs) yeah and uh i didn't add this to my list but i actually did play a little bit of lovely planet as well oh really what'd you think i think that game's really damn good oh wow i'm glad you're enjoying it yeah yeah, I, I, I had such a good time with that game. I mean, it's hard not to, just the style and the music. The fucking music in World 1 oh, is so good. God, I love all the music. Uh, I kind of hit my, my skill ceiling at the final set of stages in that game because I, I just I can't see well enough or coordinate my hand well enough on the mouse, I guess, to really yeah. do what they need. But goddamn, I still love everything I played about that game. I don't hold that game's difficulty against it because it ramps up really well. How many worlds are there? I think there are five, and there are 20 levels in each. Okay. I'm only towards the end of the second one right now. Oh, cool, cool. You start, like, World 3 is where it starts, the the, the kitty gloves come off. I kind of felt World 2 was with that already. Oh, it's going to get harder. Like, when they start introducing fog and rain, it's going to... Oh, great. (laughs) Yeah, I started to have a little less fun when it was starting to just, like, oh, now you just can't see what's ahead. That's kind of Uh, not fair. Yeah. But I, I love the, like how Twitch-based that game is and how accurate you've got to be while shooting and all of that. It's so good. In a weird way, it almost reminds me of like Cloud Built with a different kind of skin on it where 
a lot of the levels, like, I'm just holding W the entire time yep. just to keep going. Yep. So when you're, like, hitting these jumps and then shooting the apples out of midair, you feel kind of badass. Yeah, it's everything about that is – it sort of reminds me of um, in Stealth Bastard how everything is set up to just, like, so you will barely escape it. Um, I think that Cloud Bill ha- – or, or that Cloud Bill – uh, and Lovely Planet have that same sort of feeling too, where like you're moving fast and doing this cool shit, but you've got yeah. to be like just so split second with it. Yeah. And like I never, got, I never got mad or frustrated with that game. I just knew when I had to give up because it was beyond my range of ability. Yeah. Yeah, I breezed through World One in like ten minutes, and then I hit World Two, and the apples started falling. I'm like, oh man, they ramped up a lot. I think that's so. one of my favorite. Um, <laughs> obstacles is the apples being shot and you've got to shoot them before they fall because it's, it's so a, stupid it's stupid but it's amazing I'm i love po- it i'm at the point now where like i hear the apple being launched towards the end of the level and i'm like oh fuck shit <laughs> yeah it's like every time you hear that like and that game is really good with sound cues and and visual cues and making sure you know what's going on you know it, like if it's on the left hand side it also has great stereo mixing to where it's just like I know that what I'm looking for is on the left because I heard that fucking thing pop on the left. Um, yeah. Oh, but it's so good. I love that game. Yeah. Really good. Uh, for those that don't know, the apples, for whatever reason, if they touch the ground, you just lose yeah, you the d- level. you die because why not? When you you die when apples hit the ground. Don't drop the apple. Don't drop the apple. And it's available in the current humble bundle, which also has some good games: Year Walk and uh, what's the other one? Um, Blue Flamingo. That. Yeah, Blue Flamingo. Which is a shmup by the guys that made Pid and... Was your walk good? I thought... It, okay, it wasn't as I good I played as... a big chunk of it on, on my iPhone, and I enjoyed it. What were you going to say, Reet? I think Patrick Klepek really hyped that game up. I think... Did he call it Horror Game of the Year? I think so. Yeah. It, I don't think it was that good. It wasn't really scary for me, but it was a good experience, i say. I, okay, I remember I'm... the scares kind of hitting me... I remember the scares almost feeling sort of out of place. Like I was enjoying it more just when I was walking around in the snow and everything. But then it would be like a kind of clunky jump scare. I've heard that uh, you need some pen and paper to play that game as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not going to puzzle, which is why I didn't finish it back then, back when it came out. Oh, cool. Yeah. I might consider that bundle then. So, John, did you finish it once? No, I didn't. Oh, because there's two two endings and the second one's kind of nuts. That's when you really have to break out the paper. In a good, oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> What's the Blue uh, Flamingo? You said that's on there, too? Oh, it's it a, the- it's, Blue Flamingo is a handcrafted um, top-down shooter. Yeah. Uh, it's really simple. It's an arcade shooter where you just shoot Neat. to get points, and you know you spend your points to buy upgrades in the hopes yeah. of... Yeah, it's, by, uh, it's by Might and Delight, who did Shelter and Pid. Yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. I just like supporting them because they make interesting stuff. Like this isn't some groundbreaking, revolutionary game. It's just like it's a, a really, co- it's a cool little art piece. Yeah, it's a shmup with like handcrafted enemies and explosions and yeah, everything's handcrafted. Like the explosions, they like they like recorded fireworks, and those are just yeah. in the game. It's really cool. It's like it's very much style over substance, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, so, uh, next thing I played was Shantae Risky's Revenge on the Steam version. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was never a fan. Like, I, like, I actually, I thought I was a fan of the first game when I originally played it when it came out. Mm-hmm. And then I played uh, it again on the eShop uh, a couple years ago and realized, I don't like this yeah. game at all. Yeah. So how do you uh, feel about Risky? 
I thought it was okay. Wasn't amazing, wasn't terrible, good enough to finish. But, like, the main thing that I kind of took away from it was that uh, Yacht Club games with Shovel Knight kind of outdid them at their own game, in a way. Oh, yeah, definitely. They, like, out-way-forwarded, way-forward. Yeah, way-forward, like... Again, the more I don't the more really I, love way forward. The more much. I think about way forward, like the more I think, like I just really liked the idea of way forward and mm. what they were doing. Uh, and like Contra Four, I still think is basically like one of the only good games I think that I really like by them. But like, it's amazing. Oh, it's amazing! <laughs> like, it's, it gives it's, them a pass forever. Yeah, I guess it does. I mean, you 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 found your way into my heart. Just make a good contra game. That's all you got to do. Make a good contra game, or give me Pringles. Yeah. Like there's one. And scene then they Shant- made they made Alien, the bad Alien. Game. They made Shant- all the Shantes. They made um, the Ducktales game. Isn't it weird that every time a Shantae game comes out, I think I want to play that. Even though I know that, like, I don't like the first one at all. The trailer How many are the there? One. It feels like there's a million. The there's new only... one looks fucking insane. Okay, want a quick roundup? Quick round, the, sure. Original Shantae was on Game Boy Color. That's the one Polly played and didn't like. The sequel, the second one, was on DSi, but then was later ported to phones and Steam. That's the one I just played. Oh, the that's the three... one I started um, on yeah. my iPhone. with. Yeah. So I played a good bit of that. And... It's okay. Yeah, basically, then, yeah. It's just I got to the part where it was actually like a Metroidvania, and then I was like, "Oh, wait a minute!" Oh. <laughs> and then the new one that just came out is on 3DS and looks amazing. Yeah, I definitely want to give that a look. Even though it just looks like totally different play style. Um, it looks the like they're game. really just kicking the energy and the speed up to eleven. Yeah, yeah, that's something I felt that those games needed because I thought like the first game like was definitely slow because they really wanted to have this exquisite animation. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and it looks like that Risky's Revenge sort of suffers the same thing where it's just kind of a slow plotting game. Not really, not re- it's kind of unassuming, but this new one just looks crazy fast. Yeah, and then they did a Kickstarter for a fourth game yeah. that will be coming out eventually. So there's only four total, and fourth one's not out yet. Okay, so, your... so the, the third one, the third one's been out for a while, which is on the uh, 3DS. I think it was 3DS earlier in the year uh-huh. or last year, I guess. At this and then point, it's on Wii U, I think. Oh, okay. So sure there have it... been there have been three. I was right that there are three. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the funny thing about Shantae's Risky's Revenge, though, is that it kind of broke the Metroidvania for me. Because I've always thought that was a stupid name for a kind of a stupid genre. Mm-hmm. And then Shantae just straight up has Zelda dungeons. Oh, really? Yeah. There's a couple oh, well, yeah, the, the first dungeons one, in the game. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the first one uh, has basically the same formula. Like, so the, dun- like the dungeons in that are very reminiscent of like the Zelda 2 dungeons. Mm-hmm. I thought they were definitely the best part of the one I played. Cool. But the funny thing is that... Like you say, when you start comparing it more to Zelda than Metroid, it's like, you know, those genres re- really aren't that different. No. It's just get item to progress through various parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it seems like big leap forwards have been made when people realize, wait a minute, maybe we don't have to gate off all the progression with all these items. And then they make stuff like Link Between Worlds or Hero Core or whatever. Yeah. I really Just, like those. I don't mind gating, but the whole Metroidvania genre 
just the name and what it yeah. implies is really dumb, and people need to stop using it. Because it's, kinda, yeah. it's so similar to Zelda and just RPGs in general that also gate your progression through items. Like, the only difference is, is that they're assumed to be platformers. Right. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just that you implied to have, like, the Metroid map or whatever. Yeah. And one, of the, one other weird thing about Shantae is that there's this mechanic where you can kind of jump between the foreground and the background. Yeah, that looks really weird. It's really confused me any time I've watched people stream it. Well, here's the thing. They only use it in one area at the very start and then never again. Wait, really? Yeah. In Risky's Revenge? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. That is you weird. Do, you do it in the town and in the forest next to the town and then never again for the entire rest of the game. How weird. <laughs> I was like, whatever happened to that mechanic where you were jumping between planes? Because that was kind of neat because you could see the background in the f- <laughs> when you... It sounds like a halfway through development, whoops, we don't want to keep doing this decision. It yeah. kind of, yeah, it was just really weird when I realized, like, oh, I'm at the end of the game. They never brought that back, huh? That's a core mechanic in the Virtual Boy Wario Land game, I think. It's kind of funny that they figured out that is, like, the way to make a 2D platformer 3D. Yeah, except <laughs> this game is not actually 3D because it was You're on right. DSi. It just... It's not the 3DS so... one weird uh moving on then i finished far cry 2 how was that that's a long game that is way longer than it probably needs to be well especially considering how like the 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 missions and stuff were kind of bland yeah it's just a very one note game really where the missions are just go kill person or Mm -hmm. go get thing but uh I'm bringing it up because the ending is kind of unsettling in a way I really didn't expect, given the game being kind of starting to really kind of wear on me and just become dull. Give us mm-hmm. some spoilers. Hit us up. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to play Far Cry 2. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, might, but I don't care enough about spoilers. Yeah. So throughout the whole game, whenever you get a mission, another character will call you up and give you like an alternate objective that you can do which will really just make the mission longer where it's like, oh, you could go kill this guy or we could like rob his bank account and then kill him. So it makes like these missions multiple steps. Mm-hmm. Towards the end, though, you get these missions to like kill two people. And then as soon as you shoot one, the second will be like, oh, no, hold on, I've got an alternate objective for you. And by the point, I was just so kind of frustrated with the game that I just wanted to be it over. I would just kill both of them. <laughs> and it was like, oh, secondary objective failed. Like, fuck you, I'm just... So the game just gets really violent towards the end. And then the last area is called Heart of Darkness. <laughs> just, just straight up. <laughs> like, very unsubtle about the very reference they're making. Very on the nose. Yeah. Yep. And then it's just this, like, almost linear corridor for a game that's been extremely open. You're going through this, like, linear jungle, jungle section and just wasting people. <laughs> and then... You get betrayed by, like, your comrades and then gun them all down. So, like, every single character you meet in this game you end up killing. It's just (laughs) really fucking nuts. Okay. And, yeah, this moment where you have these companions through the whole game, like, that will act as kind of, like, extra lives for you. Where if you go down, like, one of them will come and pick you back up and give you a little bit back of health. And, like, they're the ones giving you the alternate objectives. And then at the end of the game you just fucking kill them all. (laughs) Just very crazy moment. And then 
I guess I've, I've already spoiled the thing. The whole objective of the game that it reminds you on every single loading screen is to kill the jackal. Uh-huh. He's the only character you don't end up killing. Because oh. At, <laughs> oh. at the end of the game, he has this crazy plan to, like, blow up the mountains to kill the rebels so that the native people will be safe. And then, like, you suicide bomb this mountain and then, like... He takes the diamonds across the border and then kills himself. It's this really what weird the ending. Fuck? <laughs> and then I'm seeing theories from people online that think, like, you are the jackal. It's like a whole split personality thing the entire time. Good lord. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there looking at this ending being like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> it's like where you sit there through the credits and you don't say a word. Your mouth is just agape. Yeah, and then huh. I'm like... Does anyone have a fucking explanation for this game? You know, ret- Googling what the fuck just happened in Far Cry 2. Because <laughs> <laughs> the entire game is these guys giving you missions like, oh, well, we've got to take on this other group. And then you get, you betray the other group and you just kill every NPC who gives you a mission. You end up shooting them. And then, man, the ending. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird game. Maybe it was... Did you get any sort of catharsis from killing all these people that were at least giving you these boring <laughs> objectives? No, because I didn't know any of them. I didn't remember, because I'm just like, I don't... Which guy were you again? Were you the one that wanted me to kill the guy, or were you the yeah. one that wanted me to kill the guy? <laughs> exactly. Weird. It was a weird game. Yeah. Oh, the one it other seems, thing... It sort of seems like Alien Isolation, where it has that one really good note that it can kind of rely yeah. on throughout more of a kind of a stretched out experience. Yeah. Like, I'm really was, interested in both. There was a tiny bit of side stuff in Far Cry that I didn't really bother with because it just seemed more like, go kill here this dude. And I'm just like... I'm already doing enough kill yeah. this dude. Yeah. So I can kind of see where the Ubisoft formula of like, stick some side stuff to do in here would have benefited that. But then mm-hmm. you get Far Cry Three and Far Cry Three, which is wasn't just as like interesting. Which is just like stuff everything as full of stuff as possible, yeah. And then file off all of the edges that could possibly make it, yeah. you know, resistant and challenging and interesting. Interesting. <laughs> the one other thing I thought was interesting about Far Cry Two is that it's ex- extremely pretty game with like the day night cycle and just the setting, the nature of Africa and stuff. And the one thing I thought about, though, was that, like, there's none of the hunting or crafting or bullshit that that the other Ubisoft games have in this. So, just strictly speaking from game mechanics, the only interaction you have with the environment and all this nature is to set it on fire. And the fire effects are really good. Yeah. Oof. But I just think from a thematic standpoint, all you're doing in this game is killing people and setting nature on fire. Oh, God. It really comes across as this real, like, humans are fucking awful kind of narrative. Uh-huh. It's just like you have this beautiful place and all you can interact with it is to throw a Molotov and watch a few trees burn down. Now all you need is, like, you have to eat shit and then you got to go take a dump every now and then. And it's just like, hey, human simulator. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's wild animals, but they don't have any objective with them. Like, there's no crafting. It's just, oh, they can die in your crossfire, but you're not told to kill them. It's like, oops, but I you ran do out. because it's a video game, and you, people do that. Yeah, it's like, oops, I fucking ran over a buffalo or whatever. Not, not oh, a buffalo, but. <laughs> oh man, 
So, but the yeah. game isn't also like telling you, "Hey, dude, go shoot down all the elephants," which I think is what Far Cry Four yeah. is a lot of, which is yeah, really the, sad. Yeah, that makes me not want to play Far Cry Two because or Far Cry Four because yeah, go craft a rhino. Like, what the fuck? I don't want to kill a rhino. Go craft a rhino. <laughs> well, there's you heard them talking about it where there's like you said go craft a rhino and I just I, imagine I, I just. <laughs> Go craft a rhino? <laughs> okay, go kill a rhino, rip off its skin, and craft a fucking gun holster upgrade. I just like the idea of crafting animals. <laughs> Let's craft some animals. And on the fourth day, Rhett crafted the rhino. Aww. And... The new hit game, Rhettcraft. Rhettcraft. <laughs> <laughs> We're fucking dumb. Yeah, we are. <laughs> So, speaking of Ubisoft games, oh boy, I broke down and bought one game during the Steam sale, and that was Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. (laughs) Aww. Are you laughing at me, Polly? I might be. (laughs) Well, you know, that game, I I have since finished it. It's not as long as people say. It only took me 48 hours. I expected you to like at least the themes of Far Cry 4 because you like pirates. Oh. You mean he means you mean Assassin's, Assassin's Creed 4. What did I say? You said Far, Far Cry, Cry 4. 4. It's it's Ubisoft, dude. They're fucking, all the fucking They're all the fucking anyway. same game anyway. So, Who cares? Yeah. Okay. This but is I the did. one where So Far Cry Dogs Watch 4, whatever it is. Black Flag the crew edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this go is on, the on. game where they took Assassin's Creed and they added pirates, and everybody loves pirates. And then they also added in a ton of the crafting stuff from Far Cry 3. Boy, oh boy. You can climb towers, which I guess Assassin's Creed did first, and then you can shoot animals and you can craft upgrades, and you have a pirate boat, and that's a lot of fun. Wait, which Ubisoft game is this again? <laughs> Assassin's Creed 4. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Assassin's Creed. So far, I think it's the only one where you're a pirate with a pirate boat. It's the only and, distinguishing feature. You know, if they wanted to put that in all their games, I wouldn't complain too much. So I'm guessing you like the boats. The boat stuff is fucking great. It's by far the best stuff in the game. It's the only part of the game that looked interesting to me. Yeah, it's that's pretty much how it goes. Like, the main story missions... It's so funny when you've got this game with, like, this... Ex- not great, but functional combat... The, and the amazing sword, or the ship stuff, the sword play, like, you're taking over forts, you're blowing shit up. And then the main missions are just, like, eavesdrop on this guy walking around. Like, they put all the boring shit in the missions, and it's, like, such a weird thing to do when, like, most missions in games are really heavily scripted and, you know, the most explosive stuff, and then the side stuff is kind of bullshit. Yeah, look at, like, the mainline Saints Row missions. It's like, you get your best stuff out of those. Yeah, this is the total opposite. (laughs) This is the total opposite, where the side stuff is actually fun, but then the main missions are just fucking boring. Like, go pickpocket this guy. Like, no. (laughs) God. Yeah, so it's, it's got this really weird thing where the Assassin's Creed game gets in the way of fun pirate game. Of course. I like the pirate... I watched watched, uh, Dave Lang do a lot of streaming, and all he did was the boat stuff. For for like three hours. It's all he did. (laughs) Yeah. I I would just throw that on, 
or throw like those Johnny Bomb podcasts on a couple weeks ago, and then mm-hmm. just go do pirate stuff, like do the collectibles and shit. It is funny seeing how they adapted some of the mechanics from the previous Assassin's Creed game into the boat stuff, where it's like in one of the earlier ones, there were like these forts you could take over to unveil sections of the map. But on this one, instead of like going in there yourself and taking over the fort, you're just fucking bombing it with the ship. Oh. Because there's like these islands with forts on them and you just roll up. And roll up and unload. Blast the shit out of them. And they're firing mortars and shit at you. It's really good. And then awesome. S- storm the castle, kill everyone with your sword. <laughs> Very uh, relaxing game. That sounds like it. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, and then there's this really weird, like, mini game where... So, again, previous game, because these games just kind of add stuff willy-nilly that doesn't really make sense. So, one of the previous games, I think Brotherhood introduced it, where you started your own Assassin's Guild and could send them off on missions. Yeah, I've heard about that. But it was, like, this weird kind of abstracted just world map where you clicking boxes to be like, send so-and-so to Istanbul or whatever. Basically just some background simulation stuff happens. Yeah. So they do that in this one, but it's like, you have your own fleet of ships, so you're sending ships to Europe to trade and sending some to Africa to trade. But then it's practically fucking real time where it's like, okay, that ship will be back in 18 hours. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Like, like, we're not talking like real 18 hours. It's... It's real, 18 hours. Oh my god. So it's, you know, it probably works better for the game because it's just, you do that shit when you load it up and then you forget about it and then... And you come back and things have happened. You come back the next day and, oh, I got like 10,000 monies or whatever. Right. Not optional, but it's just really weird that in a game where you can actually have your own ship roll up on ships, blast the fuck out of them, board them and kill everybody on board, that there's also like this abstracted version where you're watching like... Cut paper cutouts of boats shoot at each other. It's like a Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Uh, it has yeah. it has missions like that too, called Outer Ops, and you basically just build these little teams of dudes you send off to fight these other dudes, and it's just like, and it's just these little dumb graphics sitting back and forth between one another with damage numbers popping up for whatever dumb reason. Yeah, it's like what? that's like exactly this. It's just like I can do this stuff in the game in full beautiful graphics and. Instead, I'm sitting here watching boats ram against each other. Like, very strange. Kind of feels like they just took whatever phone game they were making and put it in the actual. Yeah, main I was about game. to say it sounds very mobile. Um, and, yeah, and then there's even oh, gems so and shit. Weird. Oh like, God. Oh. But there's no microtransaction part of it. There's nothing that it's like. Oh, no, they, didn't, they get... didn't get that ballsy until Assassin's Creed uh, Four. Unity. Unity. Unity? I don't yeah. know. I can't, I can't... I literally cannot keep track of Ubisoft. Yeah. <laughs> they make a lot of games. They make a lot of the same game. Yeah. <laughs> they make a lot of game. So yeah. just to be clear, last year they released two Assassin's Creed games. Four. Far Cry 4. Four Assassin's... All right, four Assassin's Te- Creed technically games. Technically there were four Assassin's Creed games released in 2014. Okay. Far Cry 4... Watch, Watch Dogs, and The Crew, yeah, and they were all the same I mean, The Crew is a driving structure. game. 
Yes, but, but it still all, has, has dumb shit. Same... Like, it has all the same dumb shit like towers. Ubisoft open world structure. You know, yeah. driving game, you have towers? It has towers. I mean, it's... if you could climb the towers, I think that would be an excellent driving game. I would love to climb oh, towers with cars. <laughs> Just make it a fucking car platformer. No. <laughs> I think um, Distance. Blast... That's what Distance Ubisoft's is, Blaster basically. Master. Uh, distance, oh my god! Uh, distance is by the. Uh, it's in early access right now. It's by the guys that did um, that one game. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it was by, like they've developed it while they were in school, and it's like for free now. Um, but dis- cool. but distance is like a spiritual success for success for yes, uh, yeah. spiritual successor to that game, and it's got like you know it's basically a car based platformer where you're racing through these levels, and it's kind of cool like level uh, creator in it and everything huh. so lots of fun sounds neat you can fly and shit too oh yeah like you can fly you fly you bounce between walls it's got like i think you would like it it's got a lot of cloud built in it i think hmm. that's nifty you can saw your car yeah. in half and uh with saws on the track and still keep going <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's brilliant it looks great cool. i'm gonna probably buy it when it gets out of early access Yes, because you shouldn't buy video games when they're not finished. Yeah, I bought Joy Lancer. I would, I, I would buy Nuclear Throne. Uh, mm-hmm. Those guys do good. Like Vlambeer, they update every yeah. fucking week. They've got like fifty-four builds of their games since they've had yeah. it on. So, well, Nuclear Joy Throne and Joy, like, Lan- Joy Lancer just seems like weirdo treasure game thing, and mm-hmm. I haven't dug into it since six months ago. But I need to um, load that back up and see what they've added to that. Looks really cool. Yeah, at least Nuclear Throne looks like there is a game there now. Oh yeah, definitely. Like the stuff that drives me nuts is when there clearly isn't even really anything playable yet, but they're selling it for money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like Wasn't you could that play like, um, Peter Molyneux's game. I almost said Molyneux's game. <laughs> it's the same thing these days. I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm convinced they're the same person. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting that that's a parody account. It's not that hard to believe the things that he says or the things Peter Molyneux would say. I didn't say. know it was a parody account for a while. He's, like, more real than the real one. He's, so weird. He's... And there was a game jam by Molly Dew. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. he became a legitimate personality of his own. Yeah, I it's... Know. it's My God, that whole... That saga. We're, we're going way off topic here. But, yeah, yeah that's fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Reel us back in, Rhett. Peter Molyneux's cool. Ubisoft games are dumb. So speaking of Ubisoft games being dumb... Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So do you guys know the conceit of Assassin's Creed as a series where... It's it's like a video game in a video game. It's a weird dumb sci-fi thing, yeah. Abstergo. Yeah. So in the first five-something whatever games, you were playing as this guy in the real world called Desmond, and you were going into his memories through this machine... They kind of ditched that in four, where now you're an employee for Ubisoft going into the memories to make video games, basically. Yeah. They don't actually call it Ubisoft. They call it, like, Abstergo Abstergo Entertainment. Entertainment. But they're actually referencing, like, the Assassin's Creed series, and they specifically call out Assassin's Creed, uh, whatever the Vita one was. Oh, my God. Liberation. Liberation. Like, they straight up call, like, that was our first product, Assassin's Creed Liberation. What? yeah, it's so... The, the, this game's conceit is so weird. It's not even meta. It's just straight up, 
Yes, we make Assassin's Creed video games. You're making an Assassin's Creed video game. <laughs> We're making an Assassin's Creed video game about making an Assassin's Creed video game. Yeah. So then there's this whole weird modern day plot where you go around, you start hacking your employees' computers and shit. And there's this one email log that you find that really struck with a chord with me where this is back and forth and one guy's like, We've got all these resources, and all we do are, is focus on violence, violence, violence. Like, with all the resources we have, can't we do something more, something to enrich the human spirit? And then the reply to that is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Violence sells. You're, you're an idiot. <clears throat> and it's just so incredibly on the nose when you think about AAA video game development in general. It's almost tone deaf. It's about it's, as tone deaf as EA releasing that fucking Battlefield Hardline oh or whatever. It's just incredible oh. that that made it in the game, and I'm just like, so whoever put this in the game and wrote this, like, which side do they support? Yeah. Because <laughs> then the email that's all pro-violence goes on to then list settings for future Assassin's Creed games, like, perfectly, where he straight up says, like, I want to do things like... The French Revolution, Jack the Ripper in London, like Billy the Kid in the Wild West. And I'm like, is he actually listing off the next three games that they're going to do? Because one of those already happened with yeah. Unity. <laughs> I think it was just incredibly on the nose. With, like, as many, with as many studios as they have working on that series, it wouldn't surprise me if they were working on like five fucking Assassin's Creed games right now. Yeah. Those emails were really hilarious, though, and kind of depressing. And just so telling. Just like, it's it felt like a cry for help. Like, <laughs> we have all these resources, we can do so much more, but all we have to do are make games where you stab people. Like, have you seen the screenshots of Unity, the new one? Yeah. That game is so good looking when it works. Mm -hmm. It's like this amazing recreation of like revolution era France and Paris and shit. And it's like incredible looking, but then you just, you just kill it, people. It's a video game where you just walk up to people and stab them in the back. It's, so it's just sad. Oh. Just with all those resources that they can't do something more interesting. Mm. And then, Must. yeah. <laughs> and at the end of black flag, at least there's actual, optional super bosses which are these crazy boats that you can fight against those oh, are what i, I those, those are what cool. i saw dave lang doing yeah that is by far the best stuff in the game i did those last night and had a lot of fun the only the biggest downside is that you kind of have to grind the hell out of your boat yeah upgrades yeah because it's like oh you need 600 metal to upgrade your cannons. So i'm like fucking 600 that's like doing the whole thing where you like attacking an enemy boat then board them kill everybody like, doing that six times, because you get maybe 100 metal from certain Jeez. boats. So it's, like, a little bit too much grinding. I didn't get every upgrade, but the optional boats are really fun to fight the super bosses. There's one funny one where you roll up, and it's actually two boats. Yep. Oh. I saw so, this one. Yeah. So oh, I, that's neat. I jokingly think to myself, like, oh, it's like Dark Souls. <laughs> What's, when I kill one, is the other one going to go Super Saiyan or whatever? And then it actually it happens. It actually does. <laughs> you, you kill the first boat, or you sink, whatever. I have a very poor vocabulary. We'll you call sink... them the SS Ornstein and the SS Smog. <laughs> oh, yeah. So when you sink, whichever one you sink first, 
the second one will then set itself on fire and fucking ram you. Yes! <laughs> I mean, that's just, a great that's fucking glorious. tactic! That is a great fucking tactic! I couldn't believe that happened. It's so <laughs> awesome! <laughs> so the first time they just, like, fucking one-hit killed me, I'm like, whoa, that just happened. <laughs> it's such a weird moment for a series that has had such terrible combat for so long. Because even now, like, you press the counter button and just immediately one-hit kill everybody. The counter button is the win button. It it very literally is where a lot of the times I will just stand in combat waiting for somebody to attack and then just hit counter, hit X, they're dead. Next. So to have these super boat bosses that actually took me like six tries to do the double one. Nice. Was very fun. Yeah, the, 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 the boat combat of that game definitely is just like, I would play a game of that, but I am not playing an Assassin's Creed game to yeah. get to that. It's so hard to recommend because it's such a long game. And the unlocks, like, getting to the point where the game is like, okay, go have fun, takes fucking forever. Like, even once I had kind of the open world open, it was still like, Oh, but you can't do the diving missions till you get progress the story. Like, fuck you. I just want to do everything now. Let me play the game. There's play. enough there's <laughs> enough padding in this game that I am going to have the number the, the amount of time you want me to have with it. Stop fucking gating it. Yeah. And they just <laughs> go goddamn overboard with the collectibles in that. Very right overboard. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I am not even going to attempt many of the things like there's just straight up things called animus fragments that do, like don't do anything besides count towards your completion percentage they may as well just be fucking mario coins but they're worse because they'll be like a beach with one on it oh jesus so like you have to roll up jump out of your boat go swim through the ocean pick up the one thing quick warp back to your boat so it would take like a couple minutes to get each one that's <laughs> So I'm like, immediately I'm like, well, screw that. But then apparently the goal, if you get 100% completion in the game, you unlock a cheat called Skeleton Crew. What? Which just, which just turns your crew into skeletons. That's what I thought. Ooh, which that's is good. But that's good. I'm not going to want to play that it's game not, once I've actually hit it's 100%. Not wor- it's not worth getting 100% of the game no for. Way. It's pretty cool, but it's like when you use the cheats, it disables saving. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really look up what they were because it's like, well, why would I want to do something that's going to turn off saving in a yeah, game? Like that's whole... all about fucking collectibles. Yeah. So you just use Cheat Engine. I probably should. Yeah, that's a. Uh, it's a okay game. game. It's, it's a, a game. game. It has high moments and it has eavesdropping missions <laughs> and chase highs missions. and lows. I heard chase missions. Everybody loves those, too. I don't... I think that's three is the one with the shitty chase missions. Mm. This is the one with the shitty tailing and eavesdrops oh, missions. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. I have One star! <laughs> oh, yeah, this is the one, though, that introduced rating the missions because you're making a video game in the game, and they are act- collecting actual feedback of what people think of the missions. So fucking weird. <laughs> That game is so weird. Just the Ubisoft stuff in general is weird. We're 600 cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And then one of them writes a cry for help, like, can (laughs) we make a game not about violence? Can I make another Rayman? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, for as much shit as we give Ubisoft, they did make uh, the two Rayman games and, and Child Child, Child of Light, of the Light and, and um, that World War, that Valiant World Hearts. War One game, Valiant Hearts. Yeah, they got yeah. Ubisoft is pretty cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. Child of Light looked looked kind of interesting. I didn't hear enough like. Didn't seem like there were a bunch of people kind of anybody who really really loved it and was like oh everybody needs to go play Child of Light. No, yeah. it, it doesn't look it like just a game that pretty. people have gushed about. It just looks like a game that would be fun to chill out with. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of what I got from it. But it wasn't some huge like bastion moment of like everybody needs to fucking play this right no, now. No, no, not at all. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I got a PlayStation Four for Christmas. Oh shit! <laughs> you're the you're the first one moving on to the next generation. This is so weird. Yeah, like I did not expect this. I was like, oh shit. I expected, like, a 2DS or something. Wow. Uh, so, what are you doing with your PlayStation 4? Well, on Christmas, I wasn't doing anything because fucking <laughs> PSN was down for, like, two days. <laughs> oh, man, that was heartbreaking. I can imagine. Because my dad's there. He gets me this PS4. I'm, like, losing my mind. And then we hook it up. You know, doing the update stuff, enter your name, whatever. And then it's like, oh, sign into PSN. I'm like, okay. Oh, no. And it just comes up as an error. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Must be everybody's hammering it because of Christmas. And then I look on NeoGAF and I start seeing stuff about Blizzard Squad. I'm like, fuck, god fucking damn it. Oh, man. That is such a bummer. Yeah. Because so, you, like, you already had a shit ton of PS4 games in your library because you're mm-hmm. a gold member. Yeah, so I've been collecting PS4 stuff through Plus for the entire like run the last of that yeah like the last, last year year, and then I'm sitting here with this brick under my TV. And PSN is down, and my dad's like, "Well, oh, I guess I'll hope it'll work in a few hours." Oh, <laughs> and then it's like two days later. Is it working yet? Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. So that point, do you just lie so he doesn't feel bad and just say, yeah, it's great. <laughs> well, technically it did go up at like 2 a.m. on Christmas or I guess the 26th by that point. Mm-hmm. And I was able to download one game before it went back down. Oh. And, but I had started a few other downloads. Which while... one did you get? So the game, I, the first <laughs> game, <laughs> first game I downloaded on my PS4. Well, <laughs> It's not the thing you think I'm going to say. Okay. The first game I played on my PS4 was Pix the Cat. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay, what's Pix the it's, Cat? It's a it's game that's really going to showcase the power of the PS4. It's Pix the Cat. I really wanted to play this game because it's basically a harder version of Pac-Man Championship Edition DS. Yeah, it really is. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh. You burrow deeper and deeper into the level. Yeah, it's got this... They call it, like, fractal level design, where each level has an exit point that just zooms the camera in. And so you like, just keep digging deeper and yeah. deeper. Oh, that and reminds then, me of um, Jumpman by um, Andy McClure. Every It's a big old platformer, and then every exit, you just go into the level, and then you see huh. the next level in the background. That's cool. It's really trippy. It's cool. Yeah, so this does something similar where 
you're just this camera is constantly zooming in, and then at the very end, when the timer runs out, you zoom all the way out and smash through the TV. That's a really cool effect. Yeah, it's really trippy as hell. And I, so you guys know, I got really, really into Pac-Man. Oh hell See, yeah! I got into it when I had it on P- when I was playing it on PS3. Yeah. I played it for like a fucking month. Yeah. So when I say picks the cat is way harder. I mean, it's way harder. Oh, definitely. Like, just watching Giant Bomb's quick look of it, it was like, oh, oh wow, this is way harder than it initially yeah. looks. Because to really score, you have to pick, so you have to pick up every egg first and then deposit them. Yeah. If you screw up by, like, a single tile, you lose your bonus and stuff. Yeah. So the really weird thing about that game is that there are other modes that it locks behind getting good at the main game. Oh, really? And it seems incredibly weird for them to lock so much of it out until you can get, like, 10 million on the main board. Oh, wow. So there's this Batman kind of mode that's pretty good. Probably the best stuff in the game. But then there's this other mode where it's, like, retro cartoon look, and the goal is to just survive as long as you can by getting like 70 eggs and stuff and there's like 70 levels and then there's like two completely separate puzzle games inside that game but it almost doesn't let you know until you get good at the main game that's kind of cool it's so weird that they block that stuff off though because the other one is like a similar rule set to the main game but it's more of a puzzle thing where you have these set levels and you have to puzzle them out. Yeah, like you ha- can only take so many moves to collect all the eggs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's like a hundred levels, and like something really weird where you're like you're moving multiple characters at once. Oh, whoa! Yeah, that's like, way too much effort. Moving more characters than one at once. Oh, that's too much for my brain. Sorry, that was a tangent. <laughs> no, that's pretty way, funny. It's way harder than it sounds. Where it's, there'll be like four maps on screen at once and pressing left will mo- make all of them move left I know, at once. That, that's really <laughs> insane. So it's like you have to plan out your moves for all of them at once and any mistake will reset and you'll lose. That would hurt my brain. Yeah. So it's just very strange that like in the Giant Bomb Quick Look, they just straight up had no idea that that stuff was in there because yeah. it, it hides Weird. it. <laughs> yeah. And then the retro mode, like I said, is more about making a huge snake where you have to use like the zoom out function to avoid tripping over your tail. Cause some of the levels are like collect 70 eggs. <laughs> so oh, you're making, wow. cause this game is, it's like Pac-Man meets snake. Yeah. Where oh, really? You collect I, eggs. I love snake. <laughs> cause you know how in Pac-Man CE, when you like awoke the ghosts and they started chasing after you, there wasn't that much risk of you running over them because they stayed no. pretty close behind you. This gets rid of that, where if you collect 30 eggs, there will be a train of 30 little chicks behind you, and yeah, you, if you a... touch any of them, they all die. Yeah. Oh. Oh. So. Did you feel yeah. bad when they died, Rhett? It happens a lot, because it's a very hard game. No, I'm just you... asking if you had a John reaction to that. Did it make you contemplate? <laughs> no. Not really. <laughs> so we just said, game... like, about 30 little chicks die, and I was like... No, <laughs> the poor chickens. No. So it's like Pac-Man, but you have to be wary of your movement because, you, like, you can't the, retrace too far. Yeah, you can't retrace because 
every step you take is taken. Like, I don't know. You know Snake. I know what Snake is. I think everybody yeah. does. Just like, you can't curve back in on yourself, because if you do, you just yeah. basically fucked yourself entirely. And, and since then, this is a score-based game, mm-hmm. you've really got to not ever do that. <laughs> yeah. Because some of the patterns in the main game will be, like, a giant cross of eggs, and it's like, well, how am I going to get all those and not trip over myself at the same time? And it's, and trying to think on the fly like that. Yeah, and all the game. while, a timer's going. And the game just continues to get faster and faster the fast, better you do. Yeah. So, and then there's daily challenges, kind of like Splunky, which seem to be kind of randomly generated levels, which is cool. So there's stuff in there. So that's one of the two games I've been putting a decent amount of time into on my PS4. Awesome. <laughs> I loaded up Strider for a bit. <laughs> I thought that game seems to start strong at least. Yeah, it's got a good strong start because it's like it's it kicks off in a way that's just like, oh yeah, this opening is so great. Like I said, I think in my review I said the same thing where it just got this amazing start and then just and then it just like puts its butt up in the air and poops straight into the air and lets it fall down onto itself. Yeah, (laughs) giving itself a poop bath. I played about 10 minutes and I stopped after, like, the big dragon boss thing. And I'm like, I don't know, this game seems good. Yeah, you played the best part. Unfortunately, that seems to be the reaction. Uh, I played a little bit of Mercenary Kings, which is the Paul Robertson animated jump-and-shoot game. It, it, like, looks kind of like Metal Slug, but is nothing of the sort. it's It's Mega Man meets Monster Hunter. Yeah. Which, so, I mean, I, I don't think it looks like a bad game. I, I, just, I, yeah. just, I really hate the whole bosses running away crap, though. Yeah, that's annoying. Like, I don't hate the game, because some people seem to really hate this game. So kind of going in with those lowered expectations does make me be like, oh, come on, this is not that bad. It's better than people think. Like, a I do lot of like... people, A lot of people wanted that to be Metal Slug. And, yeah. and you could tell, like, even, like, in the early going when they were showing it, it was like, this is not Metal Slug. This is, like, a loot-based, like, repeat-the-levels kind of game. Yeah. I think the, maybe the biggest problem, though, is how the levels are kind of open and not very focused compared yeah. to something like Mega Man or Contra. And then when the bosses start running away, it's like, fuck this. But, like, I could see myself getting really into that game, but... Maybe I don't really want to spend a ton of time on something mediocre right now. It's not blowing your circle skirt up yet. <laughs> yeah. I might go back to it. I played a little bit more just before the podcast to kind of I remind mean, I thought I, li- I liked what, was sh- what you showed on stream. I didn't think it looked terrible. It's just not something yeah. that I would play a lot. Yeah. That was my first time doing that boss f- fight. Mm-hmm. And even I was like... Oh my god, how many fucking times is he going to run away? Yeah. Was... When he did it, like, the fourth time, I'm like, fuck this. And I hate that every mission is timed. Oh, that gets on my nerves. Yeah. I don't like time pressure. It's really weird that, like, they're just taking stuff from Monster Hunter and, and putting it And applying it to as... a platformer. Yeah. Like, I just unlocked an NPC that'll, like, cook you food before the mission, so I'm like, this... Are you guys just taking everything really? from that's, Monster Hunter or that's what? that's fucking Monster Hunter. Yeah. The one unique thing is that the gun crafting is very... It's almost like if you could make your own guns in Borderlands. Oh, yeah, it looked very open-ended in that regard. Yeah. 
where you can change like the stock, the barrel, the magazine, the ammo. Like there's like six or seven different slots you can change for what your gun does. Yeah, I really like that shit. That you can make cool. you can make stuff like a rapid fire shotgun. But Hell, oh, yes, you can. So I've been focusing on just kind of assault rifle stuff with a little bit of spread. Cool. And then, finally, as we come to the end of my ridiculously long What You've Been Playing section, <laughs> a game I loaded up on my PS4 kind of as a joke, The Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Uh-huh! So you finally got some good taste in games, did you? I finally, you know, I played 20 games this week. Finally played a good one. Yep. I, w- I just, what about this game grabbed you this time that never did before? I mean, you will agree with me that this is a way better version of the game, right? Absolutely. Everything about it is just simply way better. So I was thinking about this, though. If I had to put it on one thing that I think makes this version work for me, it's being able to move with the left analog stick. Really? That's the big change for you? That, that... Huh. I think if I had to narrow it down to, like, one single thing, just having that fidelity of movement through the analog stick because it's not digital movement like if you press a tiny bit he'll move a tiny bit and stuff right and the original controls just being wasd felt very stiff and unintuitive to me especially in a game where you really kind of always have to be moving and adjusting where your shots are going Mm -hmm. so i just really really like having the analog stick See, it's, 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 it's kind of the opposite for me because I feel like with a controller, I don't mm-hmm. feel that I'm in as much control. I feel like really slippery for some reason. And when I, when I play The Binding of Isaac and I am in dodging situations, I oftentimes I'm tapping keys and not holding. Um, mm-hmm. Like if I need to like inch myself between shots, I usually just rapidly tap a key that I need to go to the direction of. I don't mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't like, it feels weird using a stick to do that. Well. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It's that just instead of a tap, I'm just making a slight press. Like, I'm not pressing all the way up for a moment. I'm just making a tiny little touch. Yeah, it just, it just feels weird to me for some reason. Though. I just yeah. like, I guess I kind of prefer that game feeling digital. Yeah. But I, so I do use the face buttons to shoot because four-way shooting. Yeah, that, it makes sense. <laughs> it, yeah. it does. Like, I, I, I could not, like, even when I tried uh, Isaac Rebirth with the controller, like, I could not. It's like, this does not feel right with a joystick. I can only shoot in four directions. The face yeah. buttons are there. It just makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah, besides that, though, just the whole game being at 60 frames a second, like, running smooth now, just, it feels way better than the original ever did to me. Yeah, it, it doesn't have a sluggish feel to it. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so what have you gotten up to in The Binding of Isaac Rebirth? So... Download this game is like a joke, thinking I'd probably still hate it because you know saw the videos went. Oh, yep, it's more Binding of Isaac. It's that. It's it's the same game, just new coat of paint and stuff. And then on my third run, I finally beat Mom. You you streamed that, didn't you? Yeah, you were watching. Yeah, that was awesome. That was my third life in the game. That's really awesome. (laughs) So I was like, oh, beat the game, I'm done. But of course, you know, better keep playing. So. Beat Mom's heart, and then I think Shoal opened up after I the first time I beat Mom's heart. I think you were watching this one as well. I yeah, I yeah, I saw, I saw your first shot at Satan as well. Yeah, so I got to Satan. So basically, the game has a really good method of like always having 
something just out of reach that'll make you want to keep playing. Because mm-hmm. then, oh, I beat Mom's Heart. Like, this isn't as impossible as I thought it was. So, And then I had the goal of killing Satan. So I think I got a Satan kill with my third heart kill, which counts as three and four. Mm-hmm. So for those that don't know, like, the game counts how many times you kill Mom's Heart up to 11 and keeps unlocking stuff. Yeah. So at that point, it's like, okay, I've got four Mom kill mom's heart kills now and then you get the fifth one and it unlocks everything is awful which makes the game harder and for some reason i had this incredibly good streak of drops there after that where i got six seven eight nine and ten all in a row damn (laughs) my best my best streak in rebirth is four wins in a row and i've I've not topped (laughs) that i'm not topping that anymore because you know i've unlocked later stuff like the the chest and the dark room haven't gotten dark room yet, but <laughs> <laughs> so I got up to ten mom kills and finally broke the streak and died. But yeah, it just keeps having that one more run thing, and like it feels really good when you get good items and just kind of breeze through the game and fucking crush it. Yeah, and it, it even feels good when you can like take a run that feels mm-hmm. like total shit and turn it around. Yeah, a little aside, my last run, I. Was not feeling good about it, and then I just saw the number six dice room. Just like, fuck I, it. That re-rolls it. your entire run. Yeah, it run- one of the dice rooms will just give you a different item for every item that you have. Yep. So I walk into there, shakes the screen. I just come out with this kind of okay, better build, and I still ended up getting and beating Satan in that run. Awesome. So that felt pretty good with, like, this totally randomized Dude, oh man! You should, you should do. You should. You should unlock the D four, because it lets you re-roll all of your items every time it charges. So is that one killing Isaac with Blue Baby? Um. Uh, no, I think that's the D six that lets you re-roll. Oh. That lets you re-roll item pedestals. Um, yeah. I don't remember how to get the D four, but that one like lets you re-roll basically your entire run every six rooms. Oh my. Oh, and wow. I, Wait a minute. Yeah, That's it's, crazy. it is insane. And it's just like, how do you not take that? Who cares? That is going to be a fun run. Well, because then if you hit something good, you can just stop doing it. But, no, you you, you got to go. I, I, even if I got something good, I dare say I would just like, roll it again. You're crazy. <laughs> I am crazy, but that's just how I play it. That's how I play Rebirth now. Um, huh. I think it's just like really fun to try and get those fucking wacky ass item combinations or things I've never tried before. Mm. Uh, I think that that's just really fun. And that's, the, that's a lot of the fun of the game for me. Isn't whether I win or lose. It's just like, you know, like what can I do? Like, what can I build yeah. here? That's really insane. Yeah. I'm still in the phase of unlocking stuff. So I kind of want to win, you know? Yeah. You want to get more wins, uh, you know, it's like beating the boss rush. You get something with every character. Um, yeah. Yeah. So boy, First time that boss rush room <laughs> unlocked, and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I just see four pedestals sitting there. I'm like, oh, what's all this? And I take one thing, and the <laughs> others disappear. I'm like, oh, shit, I probably should have thought about which one I was taking. And then bosses start showing up, <laughs> and I'm killing them for, like, ten minutes. Yeah. I'm just like, how fucking long is this? Yeah, the the, the boss rush you unlock by beating Mom in under 20 minutes. Um and the, oh. there's a cool trick that you can do, and what I like doing a lot is if you're not confident you can do the boss rush, like if you've got something like a telepill or a joker oh, wow. card, 
Like, go in, grab the item you want, and just bust out. I didn't even think of doing that. Yeah, that's what, that's what I do to try to get extra items if I'm not feeling super good. Because you, you get another item at the end for completing Boss Rush. Mm-hmm. But um, if I'm not particularly confident in the run I've got, but I was able to get Boss Rush, I'll go in, snag an item, and hopefully I'll be able to, like, Joker card or Telepill out or <laughs> Hermit card. You know, one of those cards, one of those pills will get me out. Yeah, that's pretty great. Last time I did Boss Rush... It's, the funny thing about this game is how you get these builds that are just completely broken and just crush the game. But, yeah. So it kind of has that one, like that gambler, one more spin mode where it's like, this will be the run where I get the crazy power ups and breeze through everything. And yeah. It gets you addicted to the, like the strong builds. So I had a run earlier where I started with Eve, who I didn't really know how she worked at that point. Mm. So. She started with piercing shots, like Ooh. permanently. Oh, was, Sagittarius or Cupid's arrow, one of those. I think it, I think it was Cupid's arrow, because it was every shot was piercing. Okay, yeah. So I start with that. I'm like, okay, this is off to a good start. I get uh, some one of the worms like that makes your shots go in a circle. Mm-hmm. So now I've got these crazy spinny ringworm s- shots. Ring, yeah, I think it was ringworm. Anyways. Then I get quad shot. Oh, shit. So then I've got four crazy spinny shots going I've never seen that stack before. And then I think I got Cricket's Head, which is oh, a damn. damage upgrade. Yeah. Oh, wait. So then I beat Mom. I go into the boss rush, and there's flaming shots in there. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, I t- so I take the flaming shots. So now I've got piercing, rotating shots that also go through enemies and set them on fire and start exploding. <laughs> I beat the boss rush in like under five minutes. <laughs> and then I just kind of walked through the rest of the game and beat Isaac. And yeah, I should, probably should have recorded that. I'm, I'm sort of glad you started, you're seeing what I get out of that game now. It's just, it's really addictive just having those power fantasy ones where you just crush you destroy. just obliterate everything in your path it's so yeah. good that one especially though was just so wacky because i'm just quad shotting through stuff like the bolts going through the enemies and then exploding as they do so and causing the fire everywhere yeah they like, leave the fire and that you're immune to that fire which is great so much damage like just everything besides like bosses and isaac in one hit, like every I, I, time. I, I, I want <laughs> it's so good. I just I want I want the expansion to add so much more synergy like that. Yeah, it's so fun, so addictive. This it's game also like really cool, y'all. I just wonder how you balance that to where you're not just ma- accidentally making every run end up being completely broken. I don't know. I I I, I don't know how. You know, I just I know that I know people that have had like twenty five runs in a row where they just get nothing but OP shit. So I mean, I don't I don't think that there's really any kind of make sure that that doesn't happen. I think it's just there's such a large item pool to choose from yeah. that you know it you is, might get something good or you might not. It um, is kind of staggering how many items there are. Like yeah. I'm still seeing stuff for the first time. Like I'm up I, I'm up to like three hundred and twenty two unlocked. I think. <laughs> Jeez. 
I, like I will probably, I'll probably never get them all because there's a secret character. Yeah. Uh, and I fuck, don't ever plan. I don't ever plan on playing as that character. I don't even plan on as unlocking the character. So. Yeah. But I still love that game, and I still love firing up and taking a run or two a day. Just, uh, just yeah. Hey, it's oh god, I love that game. It's so fun. It's my <laughs> game of the year for a reason. Yeah. I'm not sure how much more of a play of it because I am kind of reaching the end game where it's like, oh, I beat Blue Baby. Like, it said the end. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can go kill Satan some more and unlock the other path, but... You think an expansion would bring you back? I mean, I'm not done yet, so... Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, that when you're done, do you think that this is a game, like, once you're finished with it... Oh, definitely. Cool. Yeah, I do want to at least take a shot at Mega Satan at some point. It's it's a hard fight to get to, unfortunately. Yeah. I really hate how, because, like, deals with the Angel are already so rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I've gotten one half of the key a couple times, mm. but never I've heard that I've heard that Dad's key will unlock the double doors as well. I don't even know if I've seen that. Item. Yeah, there's a there's an item called Dad's key which unlocks. Uh, it's a it's a it's a space bar item. Um, and if it has what, a full charge, what's a space bar? Do you mean L two? Oh, <laughs> you kids and your weird controllers! I don't know your lingo. Talk. The funny thing about the PS4 version is that like they didn't add any PS4 specific iconography. Oh, really? Like when you select a character, like and it shows like their ability. Mm-hmm. There's still like a keyboard, like a key letter that says X next to it. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, like the only PS4 specific thing is like it says press start, press option on the title screen. Also, the best way to get the best Eve run is to like get a shit ton of spirit hearts and then get yourself to yeah. one to one heart so you can be the whore of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've only used her once. I didn't like her very much because She's, of she takes a lot of getting used to because it really like requires a run of getting you know a lot of spirit hearts and black hearts to try and just keep yourself in whore of Babylon. Yeah. I used Blue Baby once, <laughs> and I made it to Isaac and lost, and I was really oh, pissed. You were so close to the DC. I know. I like. I reached Cathedral with like two spare hearts, and it's oh. just like, what is going on? How am I still alive? <laughs> just you just got to get a Blue Baby and hope for a Dark Bomb. Yeah, we're going really inside baseball. Yeah, here we're now. going really like. If <laughs> this people have... like when I was talking about Saga. Yeah, I imagine John here, like, just, well, just... this is. This is all stuff that I definitely understand. <laughs> I might. Apparently, sounds cool though. If you have the Polaroid with Blue Baby, mm-hmm. it'll trigger every I hit because he has no that. hearts. Yes, it does. <laughs> so I didn't have that when I did his run. So I'll probably give it some more shots now. That'll make it much easier at the end. Cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> that game is so good. Oh my god. I'm glad you like it, right? It, took- uh, it gives me it tickles me pink to know that like you you, you finally kind of get what I get about this game. I think I get it plus like the remake makes it more accessible by just playing better straight up. Yeah. Like just the frame rate and the number of stuff that they've added just feels like it kind of smoothed out the rough edges. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the definitive version of that game. Like, I've yeah. gone back and tried to play the original since, and it's mm-hmm. just like, this feels so foreign to me. Yeah. I think... Is that, uh, should I just let go of trying to go back and beat 
beat the first one and just play this one straight up? I think I, Rebirth would definitely be the way to go. All right, because yeah. I played a good chunk of the first one, and I was really, I really liked it. I just kind of lost track of it, and I guess it seems like I can just load up Rebirth and just have that kind of replace it in my brain space. Yeah, I, yeah. that's what I would do, honestly. Um, it, I, I think, uh, you know, I thank the old game for, you know, opening my eyes at some point to being like, oh, this is really rad. Yeah, I think the first one's really rad. I had a really great time with that game. Like, you know, I, I played it for a month straight, and just like I did Rebirth, you know. And I'm still playing Rebirth now because I just, I really really <laughs> like that game. It's my game oh, of the year, y'all. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing cool. that's a bummer about the remake, I think, is the new soundtrack. I I still I like just, it. It's I still think that like with the new graphic, I think that with the new graphics and the atmosphere, uh, that that soundtrack really fits. Uh, and, and like uh, Danny Baranowski's soundtrack of the original is sort of more video gamey, whereas I think the new soundtrack is more like trying to capture the atmosphere. I don't really like that though, especially when they've added pixel art to make it more video gamey. <laughs> mm, I still think that the pixel art is still very reminiscent of the vector-based graphics of the original, though. Uh, I know you don't really even notice the fact it looks that pretty it's pixel anymore, yeah. but just like. It's hard to hold the original soundtrack against it for being more video gamey when they also do that at the same time. I see where you're coming from. So, but now that I've listened to the new one so much, despite having never played the original, I do want to kind of just go and listen to the original and make my own choices, for which SoundCloud. I like better. <clears throat> it's on SoundCloud. The original music for The Womb mm-hmm. in the first, the Flash version, like that song is so good, it made me want to play that game. Wow. Because I think that's when he nails atmospheric music yeah, compared to... definitely. I think the original also does better atmospheric tunes. I don't know about Is that. what I'm saying. I, I, I think that the womb tune, you're absolutely right about. But I, I, think, I think that Rebirth's soundtrack is yeah. a better representation of what they were going for. I just When I reached the third world, whatever, I forget the name of it, in the re- remake... Uh, the like, Depths, Necropolis... Yeah. Yeah, the Necropolis soundtrack is okay, but the Depths one is just, like, empty. Like, there's nothing happening in that yeah, yeah. song. It's a little disappointing. I'm just like, hey, guys, did the sound break? <laughs> Music turned off. <laughs> so, yeah, that game's pretty good. Yes, I it is. I grudgingly admit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Splunky kind of made me more open to stuff where... It's just one run, then you die, and you just gotta laugh about it and start over. Yeah, I think that definitely has had an effect as well. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't think either of us, like, when The Binding of Isaac originally came out, were really all that into roguelike kind of games. Well, did, did it kind of start that trend, though? Like, I'm not sure it started that trend, I just think that it popularized it in an interesting way. Yeah. Oh, so that's what I've been playing. Whew! <laughs> <laughs> So, Rhett, thank you very much for that hour and a half of wonderfulness. I'm glad that you're getting around to achieving your goal of playing every game ever created. I hope that works out for you in the end. I'm sure it'll reflect in your 2015 Game of the Year list, which will be about 700 entries. Uh, And with that, we're going to move over to John Thayer, who I hope is awake. Hi! He's awake! Good job. You're, you're, You're here... But you're all sick. You've got all that diarrhea, 
and you but you're yeah. committed you're committed to this podcast never let his his commitment to this podcast be questioned mm-hmm. um, in the face of diarrhea 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 i am committed to this podcast awesome so uh, what you been up to johnny boy I've played a bunch of video games, and I'm even reading a book and watched some movies. Why did you do that? Why did you do those last ones? Well, those don't matter. Who cares I know, about I haven't, books? I haven't really been reading nearly enough um, lately. I read, like, two um, Kurt Vonnegut books last year, and then that was basically it. The last book I read was appropriately titled The Idiot. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, uh, early last year. So. Gotcha. But um, I started reading... I watched the first Lord of the Rings movie with Anna, and... I've never really been into those those stories at all, like, for my whole life. Neither have I. I couldn't tell you anything about them. Yeah. Um, but I watched the first movie, and it's the one where um, Gandalf stands in front of the Balrog and goes, You shall not pass! And they all come together to try to throw the ring into the thing. Mm-hmm. And there's scary guys on horses, and they're really scary. And um, I really enjoyed it. As you can tell from all the specifics I listed, but I had a really nice time, and then I picked up the first book, and I've read almost half of it, and I'm really digging it. Are you gonna pro- continue with the movies or just uh, stick with the books? Um, oh, I'm gonna watch the yeah, I'll watch the other movie. I'm enjoying reading the first book, just having watched the movie because it kind of um, the books are more, like kind of deliberately paced. As a kid, I just thought they were really, really, really boring. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have this kind of neat rhythm where they're like getting uh, they're in like a safe secure place and they're just kind of having a nice talk and then they get it and then things get more dangerous and then things get pretty intense and then they get okay and then things get intense and then they get okay and it kind of goes back and forth as they're just journeying farther and farther away from this safe space and it's just kind of an interesting it, it's it's involving for some reason hmm. i'm just enjoying it and I'll have more nuanced things to say about it, hopefully, if I keep reading the books and watching the movies. I keep getting people telling me, like, to do that with Harry Potter. I was like, no. Nope. Um, I, I, I read Harry Potter as a kid and repeatedly since, and I really like Harry Potter, but I can understand it being kind of daunting. There's just so much there. And it's mm-hmm. like, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, even then, that's eight movies. I mean, Lord of the Rings is three. So... Yeah, Harry, po- Harry Potter's rad as hell, um, but I can understand that being a little daunting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not saying I won't give it a try at some point. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, my interest peaks in things every now and then, and I do try offshoot weird things, but, you know, it's not on my immediate to-do list. Yeah, so I read Harry Potter as a bunch as a kid and always thought of Lord of the Rings as like, oh, this will be like Harry Potter. Oh, wait, this is really just boring and slow. All I know, all I know about Harry Potter is that, like, Snake kills Dinkledoom or something. That's it. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Snake kills Dang and Ronpa. Yeah, yeah. Dang and Ronpa. It's something like that. I know that that's one that happens, and then like there's magic and shit. Mm-hmm. Harry, so, yeah, Potter. Harry Potter's cool. Lord of the Rings seems pretty cool so far, and I'm enjoying it. Um, and I also played a couple of video games. I p- played. Um, I got Pokemon and Super Smash Brothers for. Christmas, and I played a bunch of both of those in the week after Christmas. Can I just say something about that second one? Which one? Uh, uh, the Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, what? This is requisite. 
Okay. So I went for a very long time thinking, well, as a kid, obviously, I love Super Smash Brothers because what is there? Because, yeah, it's hella fun. You play play as Metroid and you shoot people and it's great. It's super, super, super Smash Brothers. It's super, (laughs) super. Super Smash Brothers, it's a party game. And I got a fighting like, game. Super hyped leading up to um Brawl as a little kid. I like kept up with the website and everything that got updated every day. It was kind of it was silly. And then I played it a bunch of played it a bunch when it came out and had a bunch of fun fun times with that. And then I realized that Brawl is kind of bad. Uh, mostly just the story mode shit is really, 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 really dumb. I think it was written by the Kingdom Hearts 2 guy. That was like the subspace emissary stuff, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. It was very dumb. And realizing that was like, oh, okay, so Smash Brothers is just dumb. And um, so I just kind of... Sorry, do you dislike it because the story is dumb or because of how it plays as a... Well, I mean, whatever strengths Super Smash Brothers has obviously are not well represented by the 2D platformer stuff in subspace emissary. And I was just disappointed because it's a platformer by the guy who made Kirby, and it just felt like crap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It feels like crap. Just like the adventure mode in Melee feel like, felt like crap, but at least it was short. Uh, okay. 12 hours! That's basically... <laughs> and and then Sonic shows up at the end for the Final Fantasy villain, and it's just... <laughs> it's so dumb! It's And they play it off as, like, this big dramatic moment is Sonic showing up out of nowhere to saving the... What? Sonic shows up out of nowhere on our podcast yet again. Oh he finds a way. Super Smash Brothers Brawl is really dumb, and, and the music is all like, and the main theme is this big, important Latin choir theme, and it's like, we are a silly party game about Nintendo characters fighting, but this is very dramatic and important. It's so important. <laughs> Can't you see how important this is? And then they have all the cutscenes that are like, look at how epic this is. And yeah. So Super Smash Bros. Brawl, less for how it plays. And, well, a lot of the stages are really dumb. Um, but, yeah, Super Smash Bros. Brawl is nauseating just for its tone. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, Melee's fucking cool. Uh, the original one's probably pretty cool. And this new one is hella cool. <laughs> Because it's not nauseating. It's just this cool game because I think that the core of Super Smash Brothers is really, really good. I think I played a bunch of, of those one-on-one matches where you do the whole no items Final Destination thing with my brother. Mm-hmm. And it was fucking fun. It was really fun. Like the items and random shit are what make that game interesting. Well, that's the thing. It's like two games. You got this pretty intense little one-on-one. Don't say fighting game. game. <laughs> Don't say fighting game. Not on my podcast, motherfucker. Oh, because, well, a fighting game, I guess, is different because you have to have like really obnoxious move inputs that demand lots of execution, and there's health bars, and they take up large portions of the screen. Super Smash Brothers, you instead of having health bars, you're trying to knock the opponents off the side of the screen, and the more you hit them, the farther they get knocked away. And you're small. Instead of taking up most of the screen, you take up a little bit of it. And that's really smart. I think that's a really smart, clever, little core design thing. Am I wrong there? That's super fucking clever. If I played just, like, a little indie game that was just, like, two blank slate characters fighting with those mechanics in a little blank world, 
I'd be like, dude, you need to play this thing. It is so elegant and sharply designed. And you know what else is uh, elegant and sharply immaculate. designed? You know what else is elegant, what? sharply designed, and immaculate? Dive kick. I was just gonna say, yeah, no moves. Yeah, if you play it like no dive kick, if you kind of play it like dive kick, it's super fucking fun. And then they have this party game that's just attached to it. That's also really fun. If you get a bunch of like four people in a room, just watch the nonsense unfold. Mm. Or you get four people in a room who are really serious, and then it just gets kind of weird. And <laughs> no, I, th- you get I four think, people I think, who are um, I think giant bomb. I think, fun. I think giant bomb had the right idea for playing that game. Is you just uh, you bet on CPU matches. <laughs> I think that's just the best way to play that game. It's just bet that's on another CPU way. matches. There's so. stuff with content and stuff that you can do that's on the side. And most of the stuff, unlike Brawl, all the side content is all pretty classy in um, the 3DS game, which is the one I'm playing. Um, they have this weird mode where you run around a labyrinth. It's kind of like a platformer, and but it's all building up to like some big match at the end. Mm-hmm. And they're only five minutes long. That's like the grand platformer mode in Super Smash Bros. for 3DS. It's five minutes long. And it's great for that. And it's kind of fun because you don't have to think about you don't have to deal with mushy platforming for more than like for like 12 hours and so you just kind of enjoy running around this area and it kind of figuring out the different enemy types isn't that the mode where you get like power-ups that you have to take yeah, into you, a fight you, immediately afterward yeah you get yeah. stat bonuses by running around this labyrinth yeah. and you use those and those just carry over into the next fight which is kind of clever. And yeah, it's, it's kinda... an interesting way to go about, you know, creating a versus match, yeah. Yeah, and it's way, way better than Subspace Emissary. <laughs> and it's way better than the Adventure Mode of Melee. Um, but, yeah, I think that the um, core of Smash is really clever. I think making... Ins- taking a fighting game from another direction, instead of being health bars and blocking on, like that kind of really specific level, having something that's floaty and mushy and you're just trying to get at each other and knock each other off the stage and you're just floating around everywhere and but you can kind of do a lot of cool aerial stuff. It's I, I really get enjoyable. Why, I, I get why people like the Smash games. You know, I, I'm not yeah. going to call them bad. Like, they can call I, Brawl bad. I don't think they're bad games. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think that they're fundamentally fun it's just mm-hmm. I don't like them. I have no interest in that. <laughs> People yeah. like them because they're fan service, though. Oh, I know that. Like that's a pretty huge part. Yeah, the and nostalgia like, boner those games generate and yeah. operate off of is you know through the roof. I don't. I don't think that they would be um, as they would still be such a force like two decades later or however long if it hadn't been that the core game in Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo 64 is good and fun. I think that that is what has kind of let this series kind of carry on doing its thing. And everything since then has just been kind of bolting stuff onto that, taking off the stuff that doesn't work, bolting more stuff on, and it's really bad. And then you take that stuff off and bolt some better stuff on and just built around that really nice little center. Hmm. So yeah, Sass Brothers is cool. I like it. I have a question. Um, Have you... Have you played Nidhogg? Yeah, yeah. Nidhogg like, is was, great. If they made Smash Brothers, a game that played like Smash Brothers, but structured it like Nidhogg, just just that super stripped downness, then I think yeah. everyone would be like, ooh, you need to go play this super elegant 
stripped down minimalist <laughs> fighting game I thing. Would play, I it would play be that. Like, it would, would be like classy and it would get people would probably rave about it like they do Nidhogg. I don't think it's it's probably not as good as it's not as good as Nidhogg. And keep and keep the ripping uh. spines out uh, <laughs> part in it so you can have swords made out of people's spines. <laughs> keep that in there. So yeah, if it was if it was structured like Nidhogg, it would probably get raved about by people like me. Nidhogg. Um, but yeah, Nidhogg's fucking good. Just when you mentioned elegance, that game popped into my head because mm. it's a one-on-one fighting game. But the goal isn't to kill each other; it's to get past the other guys, kind of like knocking each other off. In yeah, a way. which is clever. Um, and, and watching uh, people get so mad at that game is so <laughs> fun. <laughs> I've heard I actually heard this totally anecdotally that they actually had the idea for Super Smash Brothers the fight the knocking people off the thing before they thought what if we made it a bunch of Nintendo characters and that makes a bunch of sense to me because yeah. I think the core of it is good and then bolting the ensemble cast onto mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense and it makes it marketable yeah. yeah I think those two things together are what make it such a force culturally I just think when you see, like, the message board posts when people are, like, freaking out over, like, the roster or which characters yeah. are in it, it's it definitely feels like it's leaning more towards the fan service side. Yeah, but then you have all those, like, totally weird <laughs> tournament people who are just super into it. And yeah, those people would play be, and there's, no matter what. And there's, like, a hundred thousand, there are thousands of those people, thousands and thousands and thousands, and they make up a huge portion of the brawl of the Smash base people who care a lot about the competitiveness of it. Those and people only weird exist. me out. <laughs> yeah, they, they weird me out too. But those people only exist because the core of it is actually worth a damn, I think. I'll give you that. Like I said, I'm not going to say it's a bad formula or a bad game. I just mm-hmm. don't like it. There you go. I mean, the inherent nature of Smash means that it has to be really floaty. And it can't be like a really tight feeling game like Mario 3 or something right. because you have to have the people flying off and everywhere and being like floating down to the ground slowly otherwise the idea wouldn't work yeah you and basically toss makes... out the entire idea if you add more yeah. gravity to that so it's basically a game that in order to be fun it has to feel kind of mushy and eh yeah you're just so not speaking you... my language with any of that yeah yeah so if you take out the mushy and eh then it's no longer smash it's just it's a it's better Nidhogg. game. It's a be- it's a better game. <laughs> yeah, you can you can make something like Nidhog maybe, but then you're not it's you're making a different game at that point. Right. So I I accept I've learned to accept the mushiness in order to appreciate the fan what's service. There. <laughs> no, in order to appreciate the good <laughs> game that's there. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I know. And also because I want to play a Samus and Mega Man. Exactly. You know it's funny. Those are the two amiibo I'm going to buy Samus <laughs> and Mega Man. Yeah, I always played a Samus and then Ness. And um, everyone else played as Pit. Fuckers. Pit? Really? Huh. Yeah. Fuckers. All right. I didn't. Oh, God. He's so loud in Brawl, yeah. They fixed them in the new one. He doesn't do the thing anymore. It's great. And also because he can reflect bullets with that. So I couldn't play as Samus because they would just reflect my charge shots back at me. It's really annoying. Huh. Is Ridley in yet? <laughs> no. They have okay. Zero Suit Samus again. Yeah. Those skills are dumb. 
Yeah, they are dumb. <laughs> There's two characters from Metroid. They're both Samus. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean, there's Samus, there's Ridley, because Ridley makes sense, and then there's who who else? Who else are you gonna play as? Maybe Mother those guys from Prime Hunters. <laughs> Adam. Play as Adam. <laughs> play as. Oh, I can't even remember. Remember me, guy. Uh, um, remember me, Anthony. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Can we remember? We know his name. I'm gonna call you Princess. <laughs> So we could play as Anthony or Adam or Candor or whatever the Hunters guys are named. The or Deleter! The guy from... <laughs> oh, I guess you could play as Dark Samus or Saw X. <laughs> it's almost kind of insulting that they didn't add Dark Samus considering they did add fucking Dark Pit. I know. Oh my god, you're right! And Dark <laughs> Samus is actually, like, different. It's not like Saw X, where he's just like a straight-up clone. It's yeah. Dark Samus has like all those different powers, and it's kind of spellcastery. So yeah, it would have been work. Yeah, Dark Samus would have made fucking sense. Yeah, and also maybe they don't like the Prime game. Maybe I don't know. I think that's clear. Yeah, maybe they're like, oh, the Prime game, ugh, Western developed garbage. Ugh. There we go. We have our good game now. All right, whatever. <laughs> I also played Pokemon, a bunch of Pokemon Omega Ruby, and um, Anna finished it. We both were playing it after um, uh, after Christmas. Oh boy! <laughs> um, it's more Pokemon. It's the third. Po- it's a remake of the third Pokemon, which is the one, the first the, one that was definitively worse than the previous one. The, the best game in the series with the best music. And then, um, <laughs> and I like shat all over it for a very long time, and now I'm playing it, and it's like, oh wait, this is a good game. And the music is cool, and although you don't get the sample trumpets as heavily because of the remastered soundtrack. Right. But, um, like, the, th- the first and second Pokemon game, the villains are just, like, gangsters. And they just do, like, kind of mundanely awful things. They, like, kill this Cubone's mom, and you, like, fight its ghost, and but then it, like, leaves, and it's really sad. <laughs> and then you have to go talk to the cubo and it's it's actually you don't even have to do it talk to the cubone or interact with that story element in any way it's just this little side thing that's really sad it's like bambi and the lion king pretty (laughs) (laughs) and um i thought you said bambi in the lion king it could be (laughs) it could be and then the second one they're harvesting slowpoke tails and you come across a bunch of like really sad slowpokes that have all had their tails cut (laughs) off and it sounds funny, but when you're playing it as a little kid, it's like, oh my god, there's these people. They're How mutilating could they be so horrible. <laughs> and it's so it's all like down to earth, and like Mewtwo's background is like kind of eerie and to the side, also, right, and totally optional. And then you get to the third one, it's like I'm going to flood the earth. <laughs> it's like a fucking Captain Planet villain at this point. Yeah, and then the next one is even worse because, like, I'm going to remake the universe using my <laughs> power. And it's a JRPG at that point. Yeah. That's bullshit. It's just embracing its own stupidity at this point. Yeah. And then the fifth one's like, we are going to fight to liberate Pokemons from slavery, but we're going to use Pokemon slaves to do it. And that one's actually cool. Um, <laughs> that was black and white. That's the really weird one. Um, that's really cool. But three. Uh, um, Ruby and Sapphire are dumb for that, but I also really like the setting because it's like super, like kind of naturey. 
there's not a lot of big towns and there's a lot of water and a lot of like ruins and history and shit and it all feels it, it's a little miyazaki e in that sense compared to other pokemon games it's all dumb but it, the main storyline is dumb for that but it i really like the setting and i like that the final boss is actually involved in the story cuz that's another thing they started doing was having these big apocalyptic storylines and then you save the world and then you go get beat the rest of the gyms and then go fight the elite four and that's the actual climax yeah just so weird so yeah ruby and sapphire started a lot of shitty things and then it does a lot of really good things a lot of really good things and i dig it and i didn't like the pokemon as much though mm. it's hard um, it's hard it's like it, it seems like the kind of game where it's like the first one you play is the best no matter what um pretty much she really liked heart gold which was the second one but um yeah that's uh and the the remake the remake stuff is really classy it's super pretty um hmm. the combat system is really nice just like it was in x and y this game is much better than X and Y because I found out that X and Y is literally just Ruby and Sapphire, but worse. <laughs> it's like they have the it has the exact same story structure, but with a less interesting setting and villains that make less sense. And it's like, I'm going to use this magic that will end the existence of Pokemon in order to end conflict. But I love Pokemon and. X and Y don't don't make sense. I always get so weirded out when people talk about Pokemon story because it just seems like, wait, what? That's a thing. Oh yeah, the first it just weirds the first, me out though. The first and second one, it's in the background. It doesn't like try to take o- you over the story and be like, this is the end of the world. You need to save the world and then go collect the Pokemon badges, right? Or something. The first one is just like, you, there's this guy. He's a shithead. Go beat him <laughs> because he's a shithead. And also there are gangsters, and the last gym battle is the head of the gangsters. So when you beat all the gyms, you've also beaten the head of the gangsters. So mm. those two storylines end together, and then you just go beat the shithead, and it's great. And then the heart gold, you go and fight the Elite Four and the champion, and the champion is your mentor for the whole game. And then you go back to the first game and beat all those gyms, and it's way more open, kind of like the second half of Final Fantasy VI. And then you go fight the main character of the first game, and he's still a silent protagonist. And then the game cuts to credits, and he doesn't say anything right after you beat him. And it's weird and cool. <laughs> so that game's fucking cool. <laughs> and it's cool because of the stuff it doesn't say and shove in your face. Um, and then Ruby and Sapphire... Also, it's weird because there's two sets of villains, and one of them is like, we are going to flood the Earth, and that is our goal. And the other one is we Team Magma, Team Aqua and Team Magma, and Team Magma wants to cover the Earth in land. <laughs> so I have a feeling that someone was talking to Satoshi and being like, all right, sir, we got these ideas for two opposing villain teams, and one of them wants to flood the Earth. Right. What should the other one want? <laughs> well, he could... He could um, flood the Earth with land! Flood the Earth with land? <laughs> and that's what they went with. 
I think technically that would actually be way more ecologically devastating. Yeah, if the it would. Disappeared. It would. Almost certainly, yeah. Yeah, so th- it's not so stupid. <laughs> I don't know. It's, well, then why does he want to do it? It's goddamn Pokemon. Because they're evil. Because <laughs> they're evil. Hey, well, look on the bright. You know what? Wait, Team Rocket did shit. They stole Soulbook Tales because they wanted to make money. It was evil, but it like had this motive to it that was awful and made sense. Like, what are even people, to a little kid. What are people doing with Slowpoke Tales? I think they. Were oh, eating I think them. they're delicious. Dude, I want a Slowpoke Tail. I'm kind of hungry now. Why did you say that? Because <laughs> I I hate Pokemon, but I would eat them. Do they eat Pokemon? I yes. would. They never they never established that. You throw think... meat in the safari zone. They don't establish what the meat is. <laughs> oh my god! I think That's people weird. have found references to eating Pokemon. Yeah, they did in the in the anime. Oh, oh my god! The anime is weird though. There's like real animals that show up every now and then. So it's just like they're actual fish, and then contrasted with all the Pokemon fish, it's great. <laughs> so that's so yeah. Pokemon is continues to be a cool thing. Sometimes. I'm very disappointed the new remake removed the trainer customization that they added in X and Y. Why would they take that out? Because they're dickheads. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You could but play was... dress up. Oh, that was that was really fun in X and Y. It was very minimal with the characters you could play as. Mm-hmm. They had like um like three phases or something, three skin tones and very little very little going on, but you could still play dress up, and that was really nice. Yeah, it just seems um, like a weird step back. Like, no, you're going to play as May or the other guy. We have to keep with the established canon. Well, the the thing is that your rival is just the other gender you can start as, hmm. and the, no one's Brendan, one's May. So Anna um, fought against Brendan, and I fought against May. Oh, and I like your rival in Ruby and Sapphire is the final boss, and it, but it comes after the champion fight, which is way harder. So your rival fucks it up against the Elite Four, and then you go beat the Elite Four and the champion, and then you walk home together, and it's kind of sweet, and it mir- mimics the opening, and then you have one more Pokemon fight together. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty good, but he's not as good. It's, it's just a neat touch. And it's something X and Y does, except they fuck it up because it's this character you've met once, and they <laughs> act like it's really meaningful. X and Y is weird because there's like this 10-minute digression, kind of like where they just talk about the history of the world to, like, somber music. And it's like the 10-minute text aggression in Mother 3, but, like, the rest of the game isn't meaningful. <laughs> so it's, like, it just feels completely out of place. It Next seems player. like, seems like yeah. they just keep reusing the same plot elements without any real thought as to why they were there originally. Yeah, just like the eight gems, every, every single game. It doesn't matter if the other stories fit with eight gems. It doesn't matter if you're saving the world, literally. It doesn't matter if you're literally saving the universe. <laughs> Black and white, again, the games so they're like Pokemon P- the villains are PETA. Um, you, fight, <laughs> you fight through the head Team Galactic, Team Plasma um, fortress and fight their leader after the Elite Four. You mm. don't... You don't beat them and then go beat the Elite Four. You fight the actual climax is at the end of the game, which is really nice. Which is, you know, where a climax should be. Yeah, but it's not in Ruby. It's not in Diamond. It's not in X. So half of them are 
and the other half are, yeah, that's good. That's good. So that's Pokemon. Mm. Pokemon. My heart's <laughs> so I, true. So then I played Super Mario Brothers 1, and it was really fucking hard. Oh, yeah. my God. That game's pretty hard. I remember one New Year's Eve, our good pal Boner spent, like, his New Year's Eve beating Super Mario Brothers 1 for the first time. Yeah, I play. I tried to beat it on New Year's Eve, but then I got stuck and died. And then I beat it the next day, but it took me, like... So I didn't know about the continue code until, like, six months ago, and I have no <laughs> idea how nobody mentioned that. I like, found that out by accident. Like, I never even knew it was a thing. I just remember, like, I don't know, A start? And like, I, how, I know that I found it accidentally. Like, what? The Contra code is completely iconic, but the ace start in Super Mario Brothers to continue isn't, like, public, isn't, like, widely known. I think a lot of games do that, though, back then, where you just had to hold a button and hit start to continue. Uh, Like, I know know 3D World Runner does it, too. Yeah. You can continue in 3D World Runner? Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I (laughs) A lot of older NES games have that, it's it's basically almost the same code. It seemed pretty standard. Weird. Weird. Well, you see, um, I beat Super Mario Brothers like six years ago using warps because I didn't know about the continue code and I only had it on Virtual Console, so I couldn't save state. Mm-hmm. So I just warped from world one 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 two four one four two eight one eight two eight three eight four, and it still took forever to beat it because World Eight is so fucking tough. God, yes, those Hammer, I those hammer Brothers. And then I actually played through the whole game this time, and I got to experience every level, including those stupid fucking castle mazes, <laughs> um, which I told you were good. Those are not uh, good. They're they're mysterious. They're no. not mysterious. No, they're just dumb trial and error. They're they're really annoying. All right, yeah. This the three the first the the first one is okay. It goes by fast, and then the second the second one took me a couple lives of timing out to beat. That was obnoxious. Um, I I hate like even when they made them easier in Super Mario All Stars by like confirming and denying after each one. Well, it's just like, what's the point? Yeah, but it those things were a terrible idea to begin with, so anything that made them easier in my book was Worked like, okay. yeah, but it's just, those are so yeah. dumb. Those are terrible. Yeah, I, I like, like the, the, what? I like them in the All-Stars version, when you hear the buzz, like, okay, I know where to go now. Yeah, it does make them more fair. Mm-hmm. I like the pipe maze in 8-4 a lot better. Because it's there's more feedback. You kind of know when you're screwing up, and I got through that really quick too, which was nice. Um, so yeah, I I got to World Eight, and then I spent like three hours on it, continuing because I had to start at eight one every time I died, and I couldn't get past the Hammer Brothers yep. and Bowser. That again, is the worst four. damn part of it. Because I didn't because there's no power ups in eight four, so I had to have the Fire Flower. And basically, there's I I think I found three power ups in like World Eight, so I had to get keep two of them through all of Eight Three, and all of um Eight Four, and get to the end and be able to beat Bowser at the end. Yeah, it's kind of a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. Bowser fights in that game, especially when he starts throwing hammers, are just a bit of a crapshoot. Yeah, so those that's that's my. Those are my incisive criticisms of Super Mario Brothers. One or the, the castle maze is dumb, and Bowser fights are always the Bowser fights and the um, Hammer Brothers always. When it's the two Hammer Brothers jumping back and forth between the um, 
three layer levels. Mm-hmm. I feel like you can get through that way. There's an, yeah, underneath. because the, the, the way they're spread out, like the hammers have to fall farther and you can discern sort of a pattern, but they don't throw in any kind of pattern at all. It's just yeah, random or bullshit. Or jump in any kind of pattern. There's yeah, there's no, just random bullshit. Yeah. So you can kind of finagle your way through it, but when it's just like on a flat plane or something, I think on the flat plane you can jump over them, which was nice. Um, but in Bowser's Castle, there's no, you don't have the room to accelerate to jump over it. So it was just a crapshoot. Um, and yeah, the Bowser fights themselves are kind of a crapshoot. So I spent three hours, and by the end I was kind of miserable. And then I beat it, and I was like, okay, I've beaten that game. It's pretty good. Yeah. Super Mario Land's better. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so you beat it, and you were exhausted, and then what did you do? Because then, you were a crazy person. You smart, so, smart man. So, um... Uh, oh. <laughs> so then I booted up Super Mario Brothers 2, the Famicom version, which was released here. Super Mario Brothers Lost Levels. Mm. Um, Reed informs me that in addition to all of the other general making things easier in the All-Stars version, mm-hmm. they also made it so that you can continue... <clears throat> You can save from the exact level, yeah. Yes. That's the only reason that, like, I beat that game the first time on the Super Mario All-Star. Like, I beat it all the way, like, uh, 1-1 to D4, I think it is. D4, jeez. Yeah, it goes past 8. Yeah, I know Uh, it goes past 8, and um, on the Famicom version, you have to beat the game 8 consecutive times in order to unlock those worlds, so I said, (laughs) F that! Fuck you! I don't think Uh, you're going to beat it once, so... No. So, um, so I, pl- I started playing that game because I've always admired Super Mario Brothers: The Lost Levels. It's a really good ROM hack. From a distance, because it's a predecessor to games that I really like. I really like I Want to Be the Guy. Ugh. I Want to Be the Guy is really funny. It's not fun. I but think it's the really, joke I, the joke really gets funny. old five minutes in. I don't think it gets old five minutes in. I guess it's arguable if it gets old after, like, the six hours it takes to beat the game. Probably does. I still really like it. I want I think I want to be the guy as good, maybe even great. Um, obviously, the impossible mode is dumb, but... And, um, but Super Mario Bros. Lost Levels doesn't go quite that far it's mostly just really really hard with a couple moments of just sadistic glee that are really funny but they don't really carry the experience like they do when I want to be the guy so there's two separate paths in world 3-1 to get to the (laughs) negative (laughs) that takes you back to war world 1 yes so I found I found one and then I took another secret path, and then I arrived at it again. <laughs> <laughs> and then Super Mario a- Brothers Two has negative warp zones that take you back to previous worlds. It also has piranha plants that don't play by piranha plants rules. They even when you're really close to them, they still come up. Yeah, I think if you're directly over them, they don't come up. But um, it has piranha plants that cheat. <laughs> and it has springboards that launch you into the air where you hang for like 10 seconds. I love those has, things. Those are great. Uh, those are great, but then it has ones that don't do that, and it doesn't tell you which ones are which. So oh, wait, I that's... jumped on one, 
and then just fucking fell right into the pit because <laughs> I thought that it was going to launch me 10 million feet into the air. But John, that's the emergent gameplay that you love. Yeah, that's um, totally a I want to be the guy moment. Uh, of like this springboard that looks exactly the same doesn't act like the others. Huh? I think the that. negative warp zones are more of an I want to be the guy moment because they're just like actively. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, it's kind of subversive game design. Like, yeah. Surprise! This one goes back to the fucking start of the game. Uh, <laughs> I love yeah, that though. I, that's, yeah. See, that's really funny. It's really funny. The uh, other thing I love about those is that there's the little pit to kill yourself in. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, that's so funny. It's and so dark. It's so dark. <laughs> Just kill and yourself. I, and I think the poison mushrooms are kind of hilarious. Yep. If you hover on the main screen for two seconds, then the first thing that happens in the attract mode is Mario walks right, gets hits the poison mushroom block, takes it, and dies. Yep. That's hmm. the that's the attract. That's the mode. that's the that's the demo. I never knew so that. So I think I think the poison mushrooms are a stroke of genius. I think that the negative warp zones are a stroke of genius. The game doesn't carry that for all of its meat. Most no, of the it's, game, it's just mostly malicious and stupidly hard. It's just really fucking hard in bullshit ways. Like you have to run across a long pit and then land on a Koopa in the air that may be in the right spot. Yeah, that game does not have, like, that series did not have the physics to be doing shit like that yet, and, like, holding no. A when you jump off of an enemy does not work in this game. So no. it, it, the game does not have the physics to support that yeah, kind Super of stuff. Yeah, Super Brothers 1, bless its heart, isn't quite refined enough. It doesn't have that amount of precision. And I said that Super Mario Land I like better. And that game has no precision it feels like a fucking graphing calculator game it feels like shit but the fact that it feels like shit they didn't have any expectation that you could be like precise with your movements so they don't really demand it so in super mario land one you're just kind of you're figuring out how to approach different situations and it's not and once you figure it out that's basically it it's not really the execution of it that's hard right super mario brothers one has a fuck ton of just getting it just executing it right like just getting the timing down there are pixel precision jumps and in, uh, in, in, in uh the, you get in lost levels yeah when you get into lost levels like the later parts of that game there are some jumps that are just seriously like one pixel off and you're not going to make it yeah and that's just not really that's not fun it's not mario it's not what mario's about i don't think i think mario's about just the joy of feeling Mario's movement and I think 64 nails that I think three nails that um, one to an extent I think one to an extent nails that um, lost levels it lost me um, I, I probably took about an hour to beat world four probably about an hour to beat worlds one through three um, and I took about an hour and almost beat world five but in the Famicom version when you d- run out of lives you continue at the start of the world yeah. like in Mario one yeah and in that game, it's a lot more rough. Yeah. In world in Mario, Mario One only gets really brutal at the end of the game. But. Yeah, like once you hit World Eight, is really where that ge- like that's where you you hit your like as like if that was your first game ever, that was like probably the first thing that ever made you want to throw a controller. Yeah. Um, but everything prior to that was fairly manageable, and yeah, it still fair. prepares you for that spike. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it, I think Mario One has very nice pacing. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
Mario Mario Two. I don't think there. I don't think I played a world so far that was harder than World Eight, like more difficult to execute. Right. Um. But it's just been one after the other, and I've just lost patience. I I got to the near the end of World. I uh, got to the Bowser fight at World Five, Four, and died and ran out of lives. And I was just like, okay, I'm done. So, I that I don't think that that game or has earned the rest of my time it'll take to finish it. Eh, it's an interesting curiosity, but I, I think just, it's it, a very interesting curiosity. It, it just... doesn't really like, I, like I would never play it again. I don't see mm-hmm. any reason to. I'll do... I might, maybe I'll watch a let's play of the rest of it. You know, yeah, watch Hutch play it very badly. He did, yeah, or a long, just a long play where I can see somebody move around all the traps nicely. Right. It, it even pulls the shit with the invisible blocks. Yeah. That you hit and then fall into a pit. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's... just everything about Kaizo. Yeah. And Kaizo's great for what it is, but they, you go into Ka- Kaizo, ha- you have the expectation of save states. Yeah. And just having an extremely nuanced command and understanding of how the physics in that game works. Mario 2 doesn't have save states. It doesn't expect you to have save states. You have continues to put you at the start of the world. The game wasn't designed with the same kind of expectations as a Kaizo game. So when it demands the same kind of things from you, it's not fun. It's bullshit. One hundred percent. There you go. And I that's Super Mario Two. I like the All Stars version. I think it's playable. I yeah, it's definitely it. playable yeah, I'm sure because it's playable, you know, I I just hate the graphics and the music. If I could have like the ability mm-hmm. to save at every level with just like the NES graphics and music. Because I really don't like what the All Stars uh, versions of those games did, graphically yeah. or musically. They just they sound terrible. They look too fake and plastic. Yeah, it's it's Snessy in a very bad way. Yeah, it's like everything I don't like about like what the, the SNES, SNES puts out. SNES it's just graphics. like yeah, it's just way like a too... licensed game version of Super Mario Brothers One. Yeah, it's like way too polished looking, and like the the samples aren't good. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of really mushy, bad SNES music. Oh, I That's think most real. Of, I think most of any SNES music is pretty bad. Yeah. John, so that, did, yeah. Did you did you get into any levels that have wind in them? Yes. I <laughs> yeah. Did. The, I think uh, <laughs> fucking, they just introduce it, and then immediately you have to jump, make a wide jump over a pit. Yeah. There's yeah. no attempt to teach you what this wind is. It just fucking goes for it. And that's the funny thing about like the original Super Mario Brothers is that that game teaches you through playing. Um, and I know. It, like the like, I mean, one one will teach fucking... you one one will teach you pretty much everything you need to know about mm-hmm. that game. They barely introduce any other things. Oh, and you there's one level in Lost Levels where you just run forward and there's two there's a big line of um, bullet bills that just shoot at you instantly. Yeah, it's literally Kaizo literally just ripped set pieces from Lost <laughs> Levels. And Nintendo made it. Mm-hmm. So it's important. It's an important game. Obviously. It is. It is. But I think wasn't Miyamoto was... actually working on Doki Doki Panic though? I yeah, which is sure. obviously a way better game. Yeah, I think that is kind of the true sequel, realistically. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I've heard Super Mario Brothers. The thing they wanted to do with that was introduce scrolling. Like mm-hmm. that was the big innovation. So for the second one, they were like. What if we make a game that's vertical scrolling? And they did a shit ton of that. Yeah, so Super Mario Bros. 2, or the, the U.S. version, it was originally conceived to be a vertically scrolling game, but then they realized that couldn't support the whole game, so it mixes it up. Yeah. Cool. And then Mario 3, they have scrolling in all three directions. 
diagonally is interesting because <laughs> like the NES like could not do that natively. They had to like employ a lot of like pixel perfect tricks to make the camera do like um, diagonal movement and stuff. That's so fucking cool. Are there any other NES games that do diagonals like that? I never thought um, of that. I not, think, Ma- not Mega Man. I think yeah. I think uh, like a few of the slopes on Super C do, but uh, but yeah, I think it's yeah. I think it's only on stage one uh, because the rest of the slopes you're just going down. Yeah. So I think yeah, it's just, I mean, there was diagonal scrolling in Super C. Yeah, it's just that one part uh, in Here. stage one though. Uh, yeah, but, maybe they figured it out and they were like, this is really fucking hard, guys. We well, there are a lot of games. Hard. There are a lot of interesting, weird games on the NES where, like, the first stage of a game will have an interesting thing that the NES isn't really known for. Like, a lot of games will have a first stage with parallax scrolling. And mm-hmm. that's not something that, like, was really common at the time. So you'll find a lot of stages in mm-hmm. uh, early stages in games, like, and then they'll just, like, throw it away later and not use it yeah. again. Yeah, so. 5 is one of the only ones that really did parallax scrolling, like, frequently. Mm-hmm. Which was really impressive, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Mario 1 is good. Mario 2 is kind of bleh. I really like Mario Land. I had a blast playing through that way earlier last year. I played it through, like, three times in a row. And I didn't do that with Super Mario Brothers one, so I don't know. <laughs> Something about th- that. How much of three have you played? Um, I played through three multiple times. Okay. Yeah, three is really good. Yeah. Although I haven't played yet. through, I haven't played through two, the American good one, mm-hmm. in um, since I was a little kid, and I played it on the GBA version, so it's very different. Yeah. So I should play the NES Super Mario Brothers two. Definitely. I remember three gets really hard at the end. Oh God, those castles! I've, I've in never seven, beaten, and then I've like, never beaten the castle right before the end of Super Mario Brothers three. Oh, every time I get to God. the end of the game, it's like, all right, I've beaten every stage in the game. This is the time that I'm going to beat this castle, and then I've completed every level in Mario three. <laughs> and then I try for like an hour and a half, and it's like, okay, I, I give up. <laughs> That game gets so devious at the end, but it, yeah. it, it, it just works so well because it's it's not it's, like it's only a sudden jump if you were dumb and used warp whistles. Yeah, That's... and and they give you like all these tools to skip over it. Like yeah. I can always I can always skip over that level with the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and at this point, that one castle in Mario Three has so much mystique for me that I don't want to just look it up. Right, right. So I'm going to keep oh, just trying to. Is that the what? crazy maze one? Yeah, it's like right. conveyor belts and shit. I don't even know the actual way out of that. I one. don't remember it at all. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It's way more complicated than the ones in Mario One. Yeah, it's nuts. I love it because it actually uses your mechanics. It actually like, like I'm pretty sure I think that being able to fly is a part of solving that puzzle. Uh huh. I figured one of them that required you to fly out, but mm-hmm. that one, whew, that one was rough. It's yeah. like flying and the P block or something. Yeah. Oh my god! I just oh, think wow, Mario three getting hard at the end is interesting because when you think of the Japanese market, they also had to be thinking that there were people who played Mario two lost levels and got really good at that. Like, how do we make a game that also caters to them? Yeah, um, and it would just have to be like at the tail end. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just like that Mario three. The hard levels don't feel obnoxious, right. and they're also really hard. And they're at the end of the game in Mario World the hardest and most interesting levels of the game are like oh, yeah. segmented off into this little side world that you yeah. can only reach if you do all the weird secret stuff. Yeah. And the actual last levels of the games are way less interesting. Yeah. I think so. 
yeah, that that that's a weird thing of all the new Mario games is that none of them just have the best levels at the end of the game anymore. It's just they have to be like segmented off and oh yeah, that's a yeah, little disappointing. Three D Land and Three D World do that. Yeah, but those are still great games. Yeah, obviously, it's obviously. just it's just it's just like if you're looking really for a challenge, if, you, if you're looking for a challenge, you're not going to get it until you've invested a good amount of time into getting past the sort of ho hum stuff. Yeah, and that, I guess that's the thing about World is like the fact that they hid those levels behind all the secrets and warps and all that stuff kind of tells you that the secrets and the warps and all that stuff were more the point of yeah, that game. Yeah, versus three where the secrets are ephemeral. They're just this interesting thing on the side that is never central to the experience. Right. But lends it so much more mystique. Yep, yep, yep. All right, All right Super Mario Brothers. That's that. Super Mario Brothers, Pokemon, Smash Brothers, and Lord of the Rings. That's all you've been up to, huh? Yep. And thank you, John, for that rousing trip back to 1985. Um, Playing nothing if not current. Uh, I think we should do a Mario episode at some point. Mario's good. I think, I, like it's Mario. Wor- I think it's worth it at some point. But, for now, we'll get back to the current, in which I played... Uh, uh, I didn't play quite as many video games as you guys, but I did play a couple. Do you want me to tell you about them? Or should, sure. we, do- or should we just skip it? Say to hell with it. Let's tell us about your video games, Polly. Tell us. Uh, I gotta go with the boys' enthusiasm. If you're gonna, If you're gonna, you know, hold my arm behind my back and pinch my ass and you and, and nibble my neck and and bite my earlobe and, uh, right. um anyway so the first game i played uh <laughs> was um metal gear solid 5 ground zeros and I've, that game confuses me um it's it, it it seems to follow a lot in the steps of Peace Walker, where it's, you know, not only just storyline-wise, obviously, because it picks up where that game left off, um, but just, like, the way the game's missions are structured. It's just, like, these sort of bite-sized missions in these larger maps. Um, you mean map, though. Yeah, the map. Okay, map. <laughs> uh, this is, but for, but for people that don't know, Ground Zeroes is basically a paid demo for Metal Gear Solid V: The Phantom Pain. Essentially, um, it's it's basically like I feel about this game the way I feel about Dark Souls Two, and that I think that it is probably the best the series has ever felt and played. But the game they build around it is just not really that good. Um, what really throws me off, and I don't know whether it's just like mistranslations or people using words that you know don't mean what they think they mean, but I constantly keep hearing this game being touted as open world, and there's nothing in this game that really says that to me because every mission is you parachute in and you call it a helicopter to leave and then you go to a menu to select another mission that's kind of the opposite of open world uh, you know just because your map is big doesn't mean it's open world it just means that the micro missions you're placing inside of this big map are kind of dumb and not fun um, but I, uh, think, I think they are meaning it saying it to mean just it has a big map and that you can approach things from multiple angles yeah, because 
it's just... It, I don't... Like, I played through uh, all of the missions, actually. I was thinking that I had only done eight, but no, I actually did get all the XOF patches and all of the fucking um, oh, wow. the throwback stuff. And it's just like, I was playing it, but I really didn't know why. Because the missions that, like, if these are, like, the missions, if, if this is, like, a preview of all the mission types they're going to have uh, in the Phantom Pain, then, like, none of them did anything for me at all. It's just, like, go here and kill these two guys and then leave. Or go here and rescue this person and then leave. Or, oh, here's a really awful seven-minute turret sequence, then leave. Um... It's just like you keep going into this one base, doing all of these things. It's just like, these guys have got to wise up at some point, right? <laughs> because there's nothing that really, like, I, it just doesn't feel very Metal Gear to me. Because, like, I, I, I am definitely, you know, more biased towards Metal Gear Solid 1 through 3, where, you know, you are in a situation, and you have to use everything within your disposal in that situation to get out of that situation and there is a start middle and end point whereas this game sort of like definite like i said it takes that peace walker deal of you know bite-sized missions and breaks them up and has you just exploring different parts of the map um and, and i didn't even really like when metal gear solid 4 had you globe trotting um a lot you know those missions are a far cry different than um you know, the Peace Walker and the Ground Zero stuff. Uh, but even then, you know, it's just like, you, like, I like feeling embedded in those situations and, like, with the drama happening around you and within those, like, little isolated areas. Um, and, and to me, just, like, nothing about Ground Zero is, like, the, the way that the missions were designed, uh, the story, there really wasn't enough of it there to really tell you much of anything. Um, uh, it's just I, I don't like it, uh, and unfortunate, and that's really a bummer for me because when I was seeing you know gameplay footage of uh, Ground Zeroes, I was really impressed and I was super excited to get a hold of it, um, and uh, I got it as a gift uh, for Christmas from a friend, and um, I just, just I was just completely nonplussed the entire time I was playing it, like. Like, I know that, like, this is something, like, with all of this footage and all of these fun new things that I can do, I should be having fun, but these missions don't really call for or allow any of it, and I don't know whether it's just a case of them having to rush something out and then just tacking on these crap missions, or if, like, this is actual, you know, like, this is a preview of what the actual game is going to be. Um, mm. It's just really unfortunate um because you know it like i said like everything about playing that game feels the best it ever has um it makes a lot of really smart choices where like if you're in danger of getting seen you'll go into this hyper slow-mo thing that'll sort of give you an idea of where the guy is that saw you so you can either get you know like slowly find your way to cover or you can be like swifty mcquick shot and put a you know, put a bullet or dart in the guy's head before he's able to raise an alarm. I mean, that shit's kind of cool, and it's really smart thing to add to a stealth game because, you know, 3D stealth games by nature can just seem really unfair at times when you don't know, like, what the enemy's radius of sight and sound is. 
Um, so it makes a lot of concessions for that um, that the series probably needed to do before, but it's just the missions. It comes down to those missions, and they're all just boring, and they feel like crappy work, or they were just too short and inconsequential, or they were annoying you know, for the sake of, hey, look at this big map. Now we're going to make you run all over it. And there's, you know, you're chasing two targets all over this one map. And they just keep changing their position. And it's just like, that's not fun. That's kind of freaking annoying. Hmm. Um, but overall, it's just like, I'm really bummed that, uh, you know, it's, I'm not really wanting to give the Phantom Pain a shot. I think even, you know, when it comes out and it's, you know... You know, because, like, I I didn't really like the base building stuff in um, Peace Walker. Like, I just, I didn't really understand the point of it other than to just kind of pad the game out. Uh, it, because you could basically just grind the old missions and get more and more recruits, you know, to put in your base. And you basically got to a point to where you knew where all the best dudes were, so you could keep going into missions and finding that one dude, folding him out, and that's it. And it looks like Ground Zeroes is going to be doubling down on the whole, you know, build a base idea, even though, spoilers, uh, the the base from Peace Walker gets destroyed at the end of Ground Zeroes, you're going to be building a base again. And it's just like, I'm not really on board with doing all of that again. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ground so, Zeroes, not fun. <laughs> I haven't played Ground Zeroes, but the impression I got was that only the first mission was really the canon story yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, the the actual uh, Ground Zeroes mission mm-hmm. where you go in and you rescue Chico and pause uh, yeah. and then get out. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the so, only one that matters. So I always had the impression that the other side missions were just basically made so that they were selling this product for $30 and you weren't done in half an hour. Yeah, because, uh, like... Um, my first time through the Ground Zeroes mission, uh, it took me about, I want to say, an hour and ten minutes, and that's with three detections. Yeah. Um, I was able to get through it pretty fast. Um, but, like, the side content, it was definitely a lot longer by virtue of just being kind of crummy and not as easy. It, it definitely not as well laid out or planned out as the actual Ground Zeroes mission. Yeah. So the thing I'm wondering now is that is the main actual Phantom Pain going to be like you doing repeat missions on these maps or is it just going to be one consecutive game experience like the older ones? Yeah, like I'm hoping that like... Because if it is like repeating maps and going in and like now you have to kill two dudes, now you have to capture one hostage or whatever... Yeah, it's, that's that's not what I want. But if it was something like, hey, you know, we've got these big maps and we've constructed five really elaborate missions around them, you know, and they're all story integral, you'd get yeah. you'd probably have me on board again. Um, but I hope that's what it is. I hope that's what it is too. I don't want to just have like you know one or two story missions per map and then like thirty crap objectives that I don't care about, but are but are essential for me to complete because more than likely the game will be gated in some form by those side missions. Yeah. I think people are hoping that it is true open world where it's just one seamless experience. I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's what you're going to get at all because, oh. because if you're basically going like, I don't see how it can be a seamless experience or, you know, because when you go into the base, you know, you're just, you're infiltrating the enemy base. You're just in what is the enemy base. 
mm-hmm. and like I, I don't know how you could do like open world uh, effective and that's it's still a small area it's not the biggest thing in the world I don't know why people think this map is super big um, because I've I've seen that map from like top to bottom, front to back, <laughs> and it's not that big. Uh, but if you try to put like open world objectives in there and like real time on the fly, send Snake in and be like, "Yo, there's a lot of things you need to do in here. If you can go in here and do all this and then get out, you know, yada yada yada, that might work." But I just don't think the areas are big enough to suit that. Yeah, there's. I'm just thinking of like the footage of the horses in Phantom Pain. Like, yeah, I like. That game Wonder. is... It's still weird that I have played Ground Zeroes and still don't have a full idea of what the Phantom Pain is. Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting I was sitting here trying to think of, like, the game that I would have wanted based on what you were thinking. And I was like, so, like, tight mission structures, but, like, a nice open little map that you can approach the mission from a number of different angles. And I realized that I was just thinking of Deus Ex. Yeah. So... <laughs> it, it's not Deus Ex, is it? No. No, okay. no not at all. <clears throat> okay. I mean, there are definitely a lot of ways you can approach missions. It's the, like, you've got a lot more options open to you and how you want to stealth things around this time. And uh, the game's really, you know, it, it's really open in how you can tackle those missions. Like, I, I was going through uh, the Ground Zero's mission a second time and did it a completely different way mm. uh, than I did the first time. And it was like, okay, that's... That's kind of cool, but again, if this is the only you know this is the only mission that really feels like it had any thought or effort put into it. Mm-hmm. You know, this mission is supposed to feel good. It's supposed to have a good flow. It's supposed to have cool ideas. I guess it's kind of like trying to mix that um, that Metal Gear Solid style of play with the more open missiony kind of like thief games you know thief yeah. and deus ex yeah which were more like strategic and probably a little more interesting but they didn't they weren't as immediately fun and engaging as the kind of arcadey metal gear games yeah definitely so it's neat i think metal gear solid 3 came kind of kind of approached that in a neat way yeah yeah um, um metal gear solid 3's world feels big um you know and it but it, yeah but it's still like chopped up into little sections uh, that you can still go back to and fart around and do things. Like I remember, um, like one of the things that you could do is like go back to areas and find um, supply depots and like blow the fuck out of them, and then like the guards for the rest of that game for the rest of the game in that area, you know, their weapons would suck or they would be hungry all the time, so that they'd be easier to distract with. Oh food. my god, that's so funny. So the, you know, just like you had a lot of options in that game, and it definitely felt more open than Metal Gear Solid One or Two did. Uh huh. Um. So, so I, I guess like, that's kind of what they're go- that's what they're kind of chasing after. But with this all this weird base building baggage and mission baggage from the Peace Walker games, which yeah. itself was built off of portable ops. Yeah, and in which no one fucking liked portable ops, right? But no. But, like, Peace Walker had to be that way because it was a portable game. Like, the missions were short and bite-sized. The mission buildings, like, the base building stuff was there to act as a supplement because it was a portable game so that you could do something a little less demanding. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were on the go and you wanted to start moving some things around or start research uh, on new weapons or new technology and stuff, that was kind of cool to do because that mm-hmm. was happening 
you know, on a portable device, and I just don't know how that will stand up if that's going to be sort of the meat and potatoes uh, of the yeah. Phantom Pain. Versus, like, Ghost Babble, which was just straightforward, stage-based, bite-sized, yeah. but still, like, a Metal Gear game and straightforward story. Yeah. So. So it's like, <sighs> I want to say that I'm going to write that game off, but I, I'm going to keep my eye on it and just hope that, you know, like, if it, if it leans more towards, you know, my ideal game of here's five story missions and maybe if you throw away junk missions per area, then I might be a little more on board for sure. But right yeah. now, right now, I'm not impressed. I don't like Ground Zeroes at all. I gave it away. <laughs> oh, wow. And, um, I, I gave it to Boner. Dang. And Elephant, Elephant in the Room, what about all the weird story stuff? The story the stuff, like... I, I didn't listen to Chico's tape four uh, for oh. very for very understandable reasons. I don't yeah. oh, yeah. I, I don't want to hear that. You know, it's it's uh-huh. you know for those that don't know what it is, I'll just say it. It's like Chico is forced to have sex with Paws, and they're uh, both underage, and it's really gross. Uh huh. And it's um, like at. Yeah, they're just forced to by the creepy villain, right? Yeah, and it's just really... Yeah, that's not something I wanted to hear. Um, yeah. But um, as for the part at the end where uh, you rescue Paws and you have to perform an emergency surgery under no anesthetic, um, you basically have to rip her guts open and take a bomb out of her gut, and they're very explicit in showing the detail. Um, oh. It is, like, straight up... like. I'm torn because I think it's effective, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Like, I don't think that they had to linger on those shots as long as they did. Like, I think they could have, and they did. They had a lot of really tasteful shots to like Snake's face trying to like keep it together, but at the same time trying to be like the leader here. And it's like, no, this is all right. You know, I'm going to keep it together, you know, and you had, you know, Chico freaking out, but he's the one having to help hold paws down while they perform the surgery. And it's just like, it's an effective scene, but I think that they just kind of focused on the gore part of it a little too much. Um, and then the, uh, there's, you know, the big reveal of there's another bomb in my, and she doesn't say it. She just jumps out of the plane and dies. Um, I was pretty squicked out about by it, but at the same time, I think that there was something effective there. I just think mm-hmm. it, I think it could have been handled better. Like, there's definitely yeah. an element of drama there. Like, I I knew what was coming, and like while they were doing their incision thing and you know trying to get the bomb out of her, like I was I was grossed out, but I was also tense. Like, oh god, this is just. Oh God! Hold it together, Polly. It's just a couple more minutes. The, the, uh. bomb, the bomb will be out, and it'll be fine. Um, so it, it's effective, but I think it could have been handled with just a bit more care. Uh. You know, like my biggest offense was with the whole Chico pause thing. Really, um, yeah. I, I just found that to be in really bad taste, and I don't really know why that had to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The ending it seems more just like maybe it's taking a little too much glee in this person's suffering. Yeah. Kind of like psychopaths. Yeah, I, I that just was a big issue there. Yeah, I like, felt that this the the way the camera lingered on her very realistic looking guts and some of her anguished facial expressions just mm-hmm. was really unsettling and that that could have been handled like, better. Yeah. The, the like, Japanese you can version. start to feel a little bit <clears throat> almost pornographic. 
the, ja- you... the Japanese version uh, is actually cut a bit differently, uh, and there are mm. more there are more uh, reaction shots of characters. Yeah, mm-hmm. but there's still a, a, a pretty, I think, just unneeded amount of gore there that I don't really need to see. It's just like you know, you got Snake yelling, you know, don't let her gut fall out, and it's just like, uh. yeah, yeah, dude, I know this is sick. Um, <clears throat> so. You know, I won't damn it for being the worst thing I've seen in a video game. I think it was effective mm-hmm. to a point, but it, it lingered more than it needed to. Uh, they could have gotten a lot more drama out of that scene uh, by focusing on the characters. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I, I just remember a couple people starting Psychopaths and being like, you know what, I'm not actually in the mood to watching this crime procedural show about where a bunch of women die all the time. Yeah. And yep. I was like, you know what, I, I actually can understand that. I can, I can see why as you think as that. As much as I enjoyed it, yeah, that's pretty gr- fucking gross how often that show <laughs> seems to relish killing ladies <sighs> in a grotesque way. Ways. Yep. So, so uh, it sounds like that might be a bit of that spirit. <laughs> yeah, but but obviously not like quite as much. It's just the one scene, and uh, yeah, yeah. But um, so yeah, I'm I'm just as confused about Metal Gear Solid: The Phantom Pain as I was when I started Ground Zeroes. We'll hope for something good. Um, the last game I played. Uh, <clears throat> is a little dungeon crawler by the name of Persona Q Shadow of the Labyrinth. And uh for Ooh, those, Anna loved this game. For those that don't know, this is sort of a uh I guess you want to say fan service crossover of Persona 3 and Persona 4, uh done with cutesy art designs and uh headed up by the Etrian Odyssey people. Um, really cutesy artsy designs. They're yeah, really cute. I, I really love the art design in this game uh-huh. first and first and foremost, I love the character designs. I think that they're they're perfect you know you couldn't have done you know that style any better i don't think um the characters were just all adorable and i want plushies of them so i can hug them all of the time basically yeah but um i don't like this game at all it is like the very definition of what people think of when you say JRPG and all of their thinking about is the stereotypes of an RPG. Uh, it is just a monotonous number watching soulless grind. Let me have a look here. Let's see. I loaded this up for a specific reason. <laughs> okay. I've I've played this game for 34 hours. Oh. Jesus. I am still on the second dungeon. Oh. Oh. And that, the pacing is just god-freaking-awful. There's hardly any substance at all to this game other than watching numbers go up, watching your levels go up, watching your damage go up, watching your hit points go up, watching your map completed total go up. It's just numbers. It's just watching numbers. The battle system is not really all of that engaging. Um, The dungeon crawling is just like, there's, there's no exciting visuals. It's just... And like I've like I said, I've played the game for thirty four hours, and I'm still on the second fucking dungeon. The dungeons are fucking huge. I think that there are four or five of them. Ooh, 
Jesus. And it's it's just this game like the, the dumb fan service light game shouldn't be as long as the meaty like PS2 game that everyone loves. Yeah, and it's like you can say like yeah okay well it took you 101 hours to beat Persona 3. And it's like yeah but that game had a lot of substance going with it too. The yeah, that Persona game, Q by design doesn't have a lot of substance. Persona Q has like of those 34 hours. I dare say maybe an hour and a half has been dedicated to story progression. Oh, man. And it's just like... (laughs) And, like, the writing lacks all of the character that Persona 3 and 4 had. It's just like everything is just, like, expected. Like, the most expected dumb things that you could think of and pull from Persona 3 or 4. It's it's like, oh, Chie likes me. Teddy likes hitting on girls. That's Ted, just, I was just watching it over Anna's shoulder, and it was just like, lots of the same characters kind of repeating their most remembered Yeah, traits. it's like, oh, ha, ha, Yosuke gets get kind of squicked out when somebody says something might be a little gay. Uh-oh, Kanji, he does girly things. Don't, uh, don't they have two whole roots, too? Yeah, and it's just like, I can't even imagine how fucking boring the Persona 3 side is. I started on the Persona 4 side because obviously I, I like that cast a bit better. Uh-huh. Um, but it's just like, holy crap, these dungeons are just like, and, and you've got to like, you know, map the dungeons out uh, while you're going through them. So you've mm-hmm. got to map them out block by block. Um, I mean, which is not a bad idea. Etrian Odyssey started that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a cool idea for a dungeon crawler because it makes it a little more involved than just your countless slogs and boss fights. But <clears throat> that's all Persona Q is, is just like this slog, monotonous boss fight. And they do everything they can to pad out that experience that they can do possible by just gating things or just like... <clears throat> how they like to make you waste your money um, and how they have to make you grind for money back and all of this. It's just, oh, you hate every single thing about this fucking game. It's just so wrong. It goes against everything that was fun and interesting about Persona 3 and 4. They took that and just sapped out all of the good stuff and left that dungeon crawling. Uh, And it's just like, like a... Like, how am I... Like, like the first dungeon took me 13 hours to complete. It's like, how long do you expect me to be in this same, like, dungeon with the same theme, the same music, the same fucking enemies I've been fighting for 13 hours? There's no change. Jesus. All right. You know what? I think we might... We can probably get rid of this one. I it's... was like... I Anna put it down, and then I was like, okay, that sucks that she doesn't like it. I'll like it, though, because... You know, I like Strange Journey. And but this I like... game, this game just browbeats you over the head oh. into submission with padding mm-hmm. and just like pointless dialogue and pointless. Like, I know that dungeon crawling is supposed to be the thing, and like that's supposed to be engaging, but it's not. And then you know, to pad the game out even more, you know, like you've got a sixteen character roster to deal with here. Oh, jeez. And characters who aren't in battle, don't get experience. Oh, and you have to level them all up? Yes. Oh, that's dreadful. And it's like, this game to me, this game, and to an extent, Metal Gear Solid um, Ground Zeroes, they sort of make me think, you know what? Phil Fish was kind of right. 
because oh like, Japan, yeah, because uh-huh. because both of these games seem to d- stuck to this design philosophy that like Japan has just been rooted in forever of just like grinding things out or, or just like to make any semblance of progress, you just grind things out or things have to be slow and monotonous. And it's like, it's like, no, this isn't slow and methodical. It's slow and fucking boring. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I I wanted to like Persona Q. I tried really freaking hard and I kept telling myself, no, I'll, I'll push through. There's gotta be something engaging here. Mm -hmm. And like when I got to the fourth floor of the fucking second dungeon and I was already 32 hours in and I didn't and I didn't want to be in this dungeon anymore and that wasn't the boss floor I just turned my 3DS off without saving and said fuck it I'm done yeah alright that sounds very slight (laughs) there's your there's your ringing fucking endorsement for Persona Q it's just I mean, if you enjoy that kind of game, more power to you. But I don't have that kind of time or patience anymore. Like, I I would rather play something that can move along at a pace that is a bit faster than a snail. Like Mm. Dark Souls. Like Dark Souls. This makes Shin I didn't really like Shin Megami Tensei 4, but this makes it sound so much better. It's like, like, like Strange Journey is really long, and it can get a bit tedious as well but, it, but like by 17 hours in i was at the fifth dungeon and a lot of story shit had happened that i was right. more than halfway through the game right that is just the exact opposite of what persona q does it's just uh-huh. like it is just like i can think of like no substance in this game whatsoever yeah. other it's, than watching numbers go up if you it's like not watching minimal, it's just slight it's just empty yeah if, if you like watching numbers go up and you like wasting a lot of time you just might love yourself some Persona Q. <laughs> um, Put that the on the back of the box. That's the back of the box. I why they quote. make the dinky fan service game more, like, taxing to play than, you know, the actual game. Like, Persona 4's dungeons go by really quick. Yeah, and... And, and then uh, this one, it sounds like they just take forever. They take longer than any of the mainline Shin Megami Tensei games I've like played. Like I said, I was 13 hours in Dungeon 1. I am 34 hours in and still not out of Dungeon 2. Oh. I just, I, I still can't believe that's true. This game like, has absolutely no fucking respect for your time. I can't believe you even put 30 hours into it. I can't either, but I just, I want, like, I wanted to see if maybe I'm not getting it. Like, maybe I'm just like, like, I tried turning up the difficulty. Maybe that'll make it fun, but no, that just like, oh, the enemies hit harder and I get way less experience now. Okay, that's stupid. Oh, so is there is there any like intelligence to any of the boss fights at all, or is it just like grind, grind, grind? Because well, like in the other games, you can like strategize and fuse personas and whatever. There's an element of strategy and persona fusion and stuff. It's here, but it's just the same as every other yeah, Shin Megami Tensei game since like, the beginning of time. I would rather play Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like Odyssey, for that matter. Yeah, like, part of me wants to just go and be like, you know, if I'm going to play this, something like this, I'll just go buy SMT4 since it's so highly regarded. You know, I have Strange Journey. I mean, Shin Megami Tensei 4 is... It, it's weird because it's, like, good. It's just, like... And I kept, like, getting stuff done, and it just, just wasn't quite engaging me enough. <laughs> like, I kept, like... I just know that the people I talk to yeah. that like those they games... They like 4? They liked 4. All right. So, you know, it's just like I if still, I... I 
I still kind of want to get back to it. So it's probably still worthwhile in some way. I just remember Strange Journey appealing to me a lot more for its just... I don't know. It feels like there's a lot of clutter in it. I don't right. Know. Well, Persona Q basically killed my desire to touch a dungeon crawler for probably a fucking year. Damn. So it'll probably be a while before I ever get to Shin Megami Tensei 4 now because this game's just left such a horrible impression and I feel that my time was so wasted on nothing. Oh. Nothing at all. Nothing at all is what I got out of that game. We'll sell it and buy Fire Emblem. I, I'm thinking about getting Fire Emblem, yeah. Yeah. I hear it's really good. Yeah. Everyone so, loves Fire Emblem. And that's you get to, like, bury your units and have kids. <laughs> that's all I've been doing. Um, so, I don't think that there's really any news happening that's worth a damn, is there? Nah. Um, and, uh, we have been a little bit busy. We have not been able to do this for a while because we were busy with Game of the Year stuff. But Rhett... Hey. Got a big old question for you. What's that? Well, with all the busyness that we've been we we've been untangling ourselves with as of late, we haven't been able to ask the most important question that this podcast likes to ask. Is Jenny Death out yet? Yep. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but how's early access doing? Uh still sucks. Alright, and now we get to close the show out with some email. Do you got any for us, Rhett? I got one. All right. Well, let's hear it. It's from Mr. Freezing Inferno. Okay. Hello again, lovely folks and sex symbols of the Sox cast. I'll keep things brief. What video games are you looking forward to playing most in 2015? Mm, who wants to go first? Oh, I'll uh, go. I've got a couple. Okay. Actually, I'll let Rico first so I can think of more. Oh. Yeah, I'll go first because I was thinking about this. Uh, I really want to play Bloodborne, mm-hmm. which is on PS4. Oh, right fuck, you're going to get to do that. I hate <laughs> you. I hate you a lot. I'm not going to pre-order it because you shouldn't pre-order games. No, you should not out. pre-order games ever. But I, I really hope it comes out good. And I want to hopefully, uh, what's that? The spaceship one. <laughs> Shit. Um, no, no Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. Yeah, I hope that turns out good, too. I thought you were talking about Galaxy. No. <laughs> that game looks cool, yeah. too. I hope so. Bloodborne, No Man's Sky, I hope are good. And I'm also looking forward to A Hat in Time, which is a Kickstarter game I backed like a year ago. Oh, that's the one that looks like a Nintendo 64 platformer, isn't it? Yeah, it's like... In like Banjo- a pretty way. It's kind of like Banjo-Kazooie, but with kind of a Wind Waker art style. I hope that that game looks is. Really I pretty. hope that that game is more than just hey, we have eight hundred million things you can collect. Uh, yeah. I hope. I hope it doesn't weird, take cause... like the Donkey Kong sixty four route of way too much shit. Uh, it's yeah. weird because the games that that game is taking inspiration of, I don't like. Yeah, but I'm still kind of. It still kind of looks really pretty and cool. Because no one's made one of those in like ten years. So people are like, oh, those are fun, right? Easiest right? way to easiest way to get backed on Kickstarter. Eh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he plays a little girl, so of course I had to back it. Oh, of course. Yeah. And hopefully Mighty Number no. 9 isn't going to be shit, but I don't even know anymore. Like, I... Yeah. Just that game has no visual flair to it. It looks so kind of just ugly. It looks pla- fake and plastic in a way that isn't complimenting. And just kind of gray. Like, yeah. 
very poor use of colors in the yeah, screen. Yeah, it's like, it's so like either they're showing the most boring parts of the game or... I think that is the game <laughs> like, yeah. at this point. Uh, I hope that's not the game because if there's yeah. one thing, if you're going to take, ins- like, if you're going to make a game that is inspired by Mega Man, it needs to have that same depth of color um, to its visual presentation. I know, it needs to be like neon and cool. Mm-hmm. Futuristic. Hell Yeah. But that game just visually looks so insanely ugly. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. So that's 2015 for me. Mm. Cool. I think you well, you probably also want to go ahead and play The Last of Us while you're at it. Oh, oh. yeah, you should do that. <laughs> yeah, we need, we need to have a podcast about that, Rhett. You need to play it because it was one yeah, of it was my number that's, two. That's really good. If if you thought my number two, if you thought my number one game of last year was great, wait till you play number two. <laughs> well, I'm I'm starting at the top, playing your number one. All right, and then you're gonna move on to The Last of Us next week. All right, good. I'll put you down for that. Um, as for me, um, uh, Hotline Miami two. I'm really looking forward to. Is that ever coming out? Ah. <laughs> Who fucking knows? Um, what else? What else is the old Polly looking forward to? I want to play Gravity Ghost. Um, that's a really cool... It looks like just a super relaxing game where you use planets' orbit to just fling yourself around. It's just like... It's it's kind of like a bit of an artsy kind of game, but it looks really relaxing. That's um, from last year, right? Yeah. That's been out. Okay. It's not out yet, no. It's, oh, it's still it's still in development. Uh, I was watching the the developer do development of it, like mm. in November. Uh, she was working on it then. So, huh. um, there's like a a two D kind of Dark Souls game coming out called Titan Souls. Oh yeah, which that looks really good too. Um, Is that the one that was like a Ludum Dare game or something first? I'm not you... entirely sure. Oh man, it was weird. I remember being kind of perturbed. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, and then there are a few games that are already out that I want to get to. Um, I want to play Lisa, which just looks fantastic. Um, Life is Strange, I don't think, is out yet, but I think that's coming out this month. That's by the Remember Me devs, and they're making a game that's more focused on story rather than a gameplay. So I think that cool. that's a really good fit for them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I really love the world and characters of Remember Me, but just playing it was just... Uh, it's not yeah. terrible, but it's just it's not really engaging it's just, either. Eh. So yeah. I have a question: What the hell is Lisa? It's weird, <laughs> kind of RPG where everything is terrible. You know, it's like it's like surviving. It's oh god, it's a, it's a <laughs> Ugh, weird I hate those kind of games. It's a weird post-apocalyptic like side-scrolly RPG. But it's just like everything is terrible. Weird. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it it basically sounds. Everything you're saying makes it, it sound sounded awesome. like a game that said John to me. But but I also <laughs> like the premise of like this world kind of just like presenting itself like right on the surface. Like yo, everything that happens here is going to be fucking terrible. You know, there's nothing good. You know, and I just wonder how far they can go with that or. Um, how far they can push that. Um, I also have Always Sometimes Monsters uh, I'm going to play soon. Uh, Rock Boshers DX I have as well. <laughs> Jeez. Um, and I also want to play South Park the Stick of Truth, which I've put a couple hours into and haven't talked about yet, but I will probably be talking about it at length on uh, the next podcast. So Cool. 
John? Well, I've got a number of games I've been wanting to get to. I got to a bunch of games on my best games of all time list that I haven't played uh, that I haven't played yet, <laughs> like Breath of Fire, Dragon Quarter, and Zelda: Majora's Mask. Mm-hmm. So I hope to get to more of those. How about Dark like, Souls, John? Uh, I was about to say I want to play Dark Souls this year. I want to play Project in three three this year. Yay! I know, right? Um, I've got Bangayo for my birthday. I want to play that because I love awesome. Bangayo's spirits. The Dreamcast one? Yep, I got it on awesome. Dreamcast. So I can play it on a Dreamcast. Awesome. Um, um, I'll pro- I'm kind of interested in playing Final Fantasy Tactics because everything about that story sounds cool. Hmm. Oh, I'm probably going to replay Final Fantasy 13 this year. Oh, God. <laughs> I got, somebody got it for me on PC. I was like, oh, okay. I'll, That's I, wonderful. I'll have a look. Oh, somebody got me Last Remnant, which is really you funny. I am I think that I'm at a point now where the, I'm at the same point I was with um, Metal Gear Solid, uh, the Twin Snakes. is like, you know what? I can appreciate Final Fantasy thirteen for all its fucking dumb spectacle. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ready to try that world again and just see, like, can I just enjoy this because I really like Lightning as a character? And since she's mm-hmm. such a focal point of that game, you know, I can probably get you know back what? in. And... It's probably better than Persona Q. <laughs> I'm going to say so. I was going to say, if you can put 30 hours into that, Final Fantasy thirteen's nothing. Yeah, yeah. And like <laughs> I said, I never, I never had the kind of hatred for Final Fantasy thirteen that a lot of people have, because I, mostly because I, I enjoyed that kind of dumb spectacle from the get-go. You know, I love the way that game opens. It's just like an unapologetic ode to Final Fantasy seven. You know, it knows what it's trying to do, you mm-hmm. know, so I, I'm totally fine with that and you know like maybe i can get around to actually playing uh 10 this year or something as well and maybe just sort of like see where that series goes and maybe you know maybe i can like look past the things that i held against it for a while and just enjoy mm-hmm. it for being the stupid thing that it is wait 10 or not 13 2 okay. whatever yeah they're all final fantasy games i can't tell them <laughs> apart yeah the, i think play. the last like arguably good Final Fantasy games I haven't played. I haven't played 8 and 9, and I haven't played Tactics. And I know well, Tactics is going to be fun. Well, you, can, you, don't have to, are, you don't have to worry yeah. about playing... You don't have to worry about playing 8. We're I don't have to worry about playing 8? Cool. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think 9 is even as good as people think it is. Yeah, Austin says... Austin really likes don't 8 and 9. Don't listen to that, man. Don't listen yeah. to Austin. He, he went on a thing talking about how random encounters are good and Chrono Trigger's design was bad for and that random so encounters would have been preferable today. why are you listening to this person again why do you keep you i hope you keep him He's around cool. to just i hope you I keep like him or i hope you keep him around to just laugh at his opinions i don't just laugh at his opinions they're thoughtful and interesting and all right so yeah i want to play tactics because that's the last good final fantasy game i haven't played um i want to play jill of the jungle <laughs> i want to play fantasy star 2 oh a Raw Danger for the PS2. I got that for my birthday, too. Um, I also have Siren, which I got, like, three years ago or something ridiculous. Oh, wow. That, that, takes, looks, that takes me back. That game looks fucking cool. It's it's weird. Oh, I know it's weird. I'm excited. Um, I've got just a bunch of RPGs, like Secret of Evermore looks rad. Yeah, um, I like Secret play, of Evermore. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'll probably play a bunch of Mega Ten. I'll, I'll, I usually get into a Mega Ten mood once per year. And I want to play Nocturne eventually. <gasps> so good. Maybe Persona 3. Um, not Q, I guess. <laughs> not Q. Just um, don't. 
I be I managed to burn this year when I got into my Dragon Quest mood. I managed to finish my files on two and four, and almost finished nine. So I'll, hopefully this year I'll just wrap up nine, push that out of my life, and then I can play Dragon Quest three, and go. just have finished that one. And then I'll play one, two, three, four, and five, cool, and nine, cool. and then I can just at my leisure beat six, seven, and eight in order whenever I feel like it. I have Dragon Quest six on DS actually. I just remembered that. Cool. Um. And the other games are my best games of all time that I haven't played yet. Um, are Skies of Arcadia? Oh yes, damn good. Yeah, that's by um I think Reiko Kodama, who did Fantasy Star One, Two, and Four. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of feeling like I'm just gonna blaze through those in order. I'm gonna do two, then four, then Skies of Arcadia, and they're all completely different, which is right. awesome. I think um, Valkyria Chronicles was made by the team that did Skies of Arcadia. I believe so. Really? Oh, yeah. you know what? I should I should probably add Valkyria Chronicles to my list. It should have list. been on there anyway. Just just yeah. from yeah. like just from Rhett going over it, you know, I was yeah, reminded. Valkyria Chronicles sounds like one of those this is a game I am going to completely love to pieces and go nuts over. Somebody for was a good two weeks. <laughs> somebody was extra super nice and sent me that on Steam uh for Christmas. Uh so I, I, I really I cannot I, I really cannot wait to play through the PC version again. Yeah. So, fuck yeah, Valkyria Chronicles. I'll add that to the list. <laughs> I want to play more Saga games. They're just about done re- with the Romancing Saga 1 English translation, and mm-hmm. then all that's left is 2. And then that's, that's... and then all of them will be available in English. Cool. Um, I, I still need to play Saga 3 on Game Boy, which is the super conventional one where you just have experience points and you can't, like, screw yourself over. Mm-hmm. So, probably the worst one, but it might be kind of <laughs> enjoyable. John, are you just going to read your entire games of all, best games it, of all time that I haven't played list? Because if you're only, going... It's only go- about 18 <laughs> games. On if you're here. going oh, to, I'm going to stop you right now. There's a, I only have two more, like three more. Deus Ex, <sighs> no, nah, I probably won't play that one. Um, Lufia 2 looks cool, and um, Landstalker for the Genesis looks cool. Landstalker is good. I would play that before Lufia 2. Cool. Um, Panzer Dragoon Saga. Oh, yes. <laughs> Because Panzer Dragon's Way is fucking rad. Really? Oh, okay. Polly, right. you haven't played that. Does Polly like not like Panzer Dragoon? Or I don't just... think they're that great. Oh, I really like Sway. I just don't think those games are that great. Oh, I missed. I, I missed out. I missed out on Orda, though. Unfortunately. So did I. Yeah, I, I, really I don't really care about Orda, but Sway. Sway was kind of like a Team Ico rail shooter. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it for that. Mm-hmm. Well, then you'll love Saga because it's a team I go RPG. <laughs> uh, whatever. And um, I have Riven. I wanted to play that for a while. It's really hard. Riven is fucking hard, mm. isn't it? I've never been able to get very far in it. I have it. I don't okay. have it. Never played it. Did, did any of you play Mist? Yeah, I I played, everybody played Mist. Yeah, I, I beat Mist. Mist. So did was, I. This was kind of easy when you compare Riven, it. Riven is just kind of bullshit hard. Potentially. Or it's brilliant. I don't know. I've heard somebody rant for like four hours about Riven. And it was just... Rant or rave? Rant. Okay. Not rave. Heard, like, Not rave. I like six people that I love like rave about Riven. So... Huh. Like as human beings. So... Riven, Riven is looks special to me. As opposed to ranting as dogs, I don't get it. You said they <laughs> raved as human beings. No, no, I said 
people that I love rave about it. And as I human said, beings. I mean, like, oh, okay. I meant I love them as human beings. Okay. Respect Rhett, I love you as a human being. Yes. They were not raving about Riven as human beings as opposed to <laughs> as rats or ants. All right. So is that your list of games you want to get to this year? I'll add on Valkyria Chronicles and that no, not not I'll always dabble in like weird bullshit like I'm probably going to play D mm-hmm. um and Enemy Zero and I'll probably play a bunch of weird ass games on the side but those are like the ones I'm pretty sure I'm going to love and I'm excited to get to those. I kind of space them out. Cool. You know? Cool. So, I guess uh, I'm going to go ahead and start getting this thing wrapped up. Cool. So, um Oh, hey, you know what? Everybody should do this week while you're after you're done listening to this podcast, of course, is everybody should tune in uh, to Awesome Games Done Quick, uh, which is a charity marathon uh, being run by Speed Demos Archive and Speed Runs Live uh, for the benefit of the Prevent Cancer Foundation. Um, and those are always great events. The speed, you know, the, you come for the speed running, and you know, if you can give a little, because I'm pretty sure cancer has affected a lot of us uh, or our families, uh, and it's I think it's a really cool thing that they're able to raise the kind of money they do by just doing cool shit like playing video games online. So uh, that's a cool thing. Uh, People should also stop by our forums and, again, uh, fill out our Gen 5 list in the SocksMakePeopleSexy.net discussion board. And if you're a Let's Player and you want to get out there and have some fun with a bunch of other Let's Players, uh, you can just drop by the Let Us Watch You Play Vitaru Games forum and sign up for Rhett's Let's Play Summer School 2. Um, and hey, barring all else, hey, what do you guys say in the next episode we do just a big old email bag? I, I can't agree That's to that. A, you can't agree I, to that. I play too many games. Oh, shoot. Okay, never mind. Rhett doesn't want your emails. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, if you've got a question or two and Rhett's not being a dick about it, uh, <laughs> send it off to podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net and we'll do something about reading it. Uh, John! Where can our lovely listeners find you? Um, you can find me on my Twitter at chrono underscore maniac with C-R-O-N-O and um, on my website, farawaytimes.com, which is hosted by SoxBaryPeopleSexy.net. Rhett? I'll be on the Sliders and Socks forum hoping people sign up for the LPO or post their Gen 5 lists. Cool, and you can catch me on the forums as well. If you need me for anything, just shoot me a DM. Uh, everything else, you can find me on the website. All that fun stuff, and hey, we're done until next time, and we are the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you. Coran, ambulance, please. Okay, hold on. Where does it hurt? Ah, uh, my stomach. Uh, uh, I have a bad case of diarrhea. 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 I have a bad case of diarrhea.